International climate change negotiations begin in Dubai with countries pledging hundreds of millions of dollars to help vulnerable developing nations. The climate problems caused by the industrialization of rich countries, it is in fact how they got rich. The new fund covers climate change loss and damage. This is All Things Considered. I'm Lisa Mullins. Also ahead, New York Republican Congressman George Santos has said he will not resign, despite another vote that could happen tomorrow on whether to expel him from the House. The Israeli government has passed new emergency wartime powers, giving it more authority over cybersecurity, even within private companies. And Shane McCowan, the famously hard-drinking but stellar Irish musician who shot to fame with a folk-punk band, The Pogues, has died. He was 65 years old. We'll remember him and his works. It's 4.01. News headlines are coming up. Live from NPR News, I'm Lakshmi Singh. Members of the U.S. House are debating this hour on a move to expel their freshman Republican colleague from New York, George Santos. Santos has been immersed in scandal for allegedly misusing campaign money for personal use, lying to voters about his background and lying to Congress. He's already been hit with a slew of federal charges. Santos spoke on the House floor a short time ago ahead of tomorrow's expected vote. What I hear is people don't want to take this vote. I'm just here. I'm willing to take the vote. Take the vote, guys. I'm okay with it. This is your time. This is what they've all built up to all year. The most damning feature of this farce is the total perversion of the priorities of this body and this conference. Following a damning ethics report, Santos said he would not seek another term in office, but he's still resisting calls, including from members of his own party, to resign. Hamas is expected to release more hostages in exchange for Palestinians held by Israel. In Tel Aviv, U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken spoke of the need to continue the truce. Our immediate focus is working with our partners to extend the pause so that we can continue to get more hostages out of Gaza and more assistance in. This is Blinken's third visit to the region since the October 7th Hamas attack on Israel. UN climate talks are underway in Dubai. Vice President Kamala Harris expected to attend. Here's NPR's Rebecca Hersher. Global greenhouse gas emissions are still rising, and scientists agree they need to plummet to avoid catastrophic climate change effects. Speaking at the opening ceremony of the climate talks, UN Climate Chief Simon Steele exhorted leaders to crack down on fossil fuels, saying the whole world is watching. They will hold us to account on what we do or do not do. As Yoda would say, do or do not, there is no try. There was some progress on the first day. Countries agreed to establish a fund to help the nations most vulnerable to the impacts of a hotter planet. Rebecca Hersher, NPR News. The Senate Judiciary Committee voted today to subpoena GOP mega donor Harlan Crow and conservative activist Leonard Leo. Here's NPR's Nina Totenberg. For months, Judiciary Committee Democrats have tried in vain to get information from both Leo and Crow about undisclosed luxury vacations, jet travel, and other benefits that both men are alleged to have provided for Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas. So today, over loud protests from committee Republicans and a walkout, the committee Democrats voted to authorize a subpoena for Crow and Leo. Within hours, Leo issued a statement saying he would not comply in calling the subpoena unlawful. Crow similarly criticized the subpoena but said he remains willing to, quote, engage with the committee in good faith. Nina Totenberg, NPR News, Washington. The Dow closes up more than 500 points. It's NPR News.
This is 90.9 WBUR. I'm Lisa Mullins. Massachusetts state lawmakers are closer to a vote on a $2.8 billion supplemental budget to finish the 2023 fiscal year. A compromise budget was announced today. It contains $250 million for emergency shelters in the state. It also contains $75 million for school districts to offset additional enrollment costs. House Republicans have threatened to derail the measure. The city of Worcester is set to open an emergency winter shelter for individual homeless adults. The shelter will have 60 beds. It's going to be located at the former Registry of Motor Vehicles building on Main Street in Worcester. It's set to open December 11th and will remain open through April. And Massachusetts Attorney General Andrea Campbell is supporting California's effort to restrict the capacity of ammunition magazines for guns. She's part of a group of attorneys general who filed a brief in federal court supporting the action. They argue large-capacity magazines are not protected by the Second Amendment. In the forecast, should have an unusually mild night tonight. Temperatures just about 40 degrees. And then in the mid-50s tomorrow, could have some clouds in the morning and showers tomorrow afternoon. Right now it is 44 degrees in Boston at 4.05. We're funded by you, our listeners, and by Fisher Investments. Fisher Investments' team of specialists tailor portfolios to each client's long-term goals. Learn more at fisherinvestments.com. Investments and securities involve the risk of loss. I'm Rupa Shanoi. Local journalism is the backbone of vibrant, engaged local communities. When local journalism disappears, civic engagement goes with it. WBUR's journalism is strong, but we don't take it for granted, and we hope you won't either. Our future is not guaranteed. We need your monthly contribution to keep our journalism and our local communities strong. Give today at WBUR.org or call 1-800-909-9287. We hope you do that right now. We are coming up to a story on how the House, the Congress, is debating the future of Representative George Santos, who says he will not be stepping down. I'm Lisa Mullins in the studio with Deborah Becker, and we are encouraging you to hear the words of Rupa Shinoy there, as you just did. And please make your pledge to WBUR as we are in the midst of this end-of-year fund drive. We need to hear from you in order to make our final goal for the year and in order to be able to present you the most ambitious news we possibly can in the year to come. The number again, 1-800-909-9287-WBUR.org. Hi, Deb. Hello there. We, you know, everybody wants strong journalism, right? That's the that's the key. We all know that, but we have to pay for it. And we've been really fortunate here at WBUR to have this funding model where folks all pitch in. That's all we're asking you to do. Pitch in. If you regularly listen, you appreciate the journalism, do your part and make your contribution during this December fundraiser. You know, we've been updating you. You just heard a very brief update. What's happening in Israel and Secretary Blinken's visit. And we just heard from Nina Totenberg, who everyone knows is just an amazing uh, legal affairs correspondent for NPR. We bring you this every single day. And we're asking you, what can you do to help fund this community resource? And it really is a community resource that brings this community together. So please do your part now during this fundraiser so we can have a successful year-end fund drive. The number is 1-800-909-9287 and the website's WBUR.org. This is 90.9 WBUR. One added incentive for you is you could, when you give right now, you could win a trip anywhere in the world. You'll be eligible for our sweepstakes, and this is to customize a getaway of your dreams. Any place you want to go, 
You have to uh, make the phone call right now, though, 1-800-909-9287-WBUR.org. So no matter what your dream vacation looks like, this is your chance to make your version of the perfect getaway into a reality. This $10,000 customized trip from CBT Travel can be used for air and ground travel, hotel accommodations, or excursions. You can't win if you don't call 1-800-909-9287-WBUR.org. Hi, I'm Kayla from Burlington, New Jersey, and I would say the best place I've ever visited was the island of Jamaica. My name is Bautin, and I'm from Buenos Aires, Argentina. The best place I've ever traveled to is definitely Paris. Hi, this is Casey from Somerville. The best trip I've ever been on was when I got to go to just south of Acadia National Park called Northeast Harbor with my family a couple years ago. And while we were sailing, there were dolphins that were swimming next to us. Doesn't that sound lovely? Yep, every one of them sounded pretty nice. (laughs) It could be one of the national parks. It could be somewhere really far away. You get to choose. It's a customized trip of your choice. And one lucky listener is going to win that sweepstakes. But, you know, that's one. Here's something guaranteed. How about a gift of $12 a month? How about paying $12 a month for your public radio listening? Because we'll send you, as our thanks, a digital subscription to New York Times Cooking. Do you, do you use New York Times cooking? I do when you bring in something that you've cooked <laughs> and then thereby eating the product of New York Times cooking. Can I tell you, three people got me a subscription <laughs> one year. <laughs> so I had three of them. You kept but, all three. But here, you can get one for $12. You don't need three. Even I don't need three. But it is a wonderful resource. If you're looking for something to cook, you're looking for new ideas, it, it has everything from really extravagant kind of cooking, elegant cooking, to very simple, basic, let's empty out to fridge cooking. So I highly recommend it. $12 a month and a New York Times digital uh, subscription, a New York Times cooking digital subscription will be yours. 1-800-909-9287 or WBUR.org. So we've talked about uh, New York Times cooking. We've talked about a trip to anywhere in the world that you want to go worth some $10,000. Also, you're going to be hearing about the basic reason you listen to WBUR, and that is because of the news. So we'll hear about housing for seniors. The oldest baby boomers start to turn 80 years old in just a few years, and they are doing so amid a historic shortage of affordable housing. We're going to be hearing about George Santos. His fate is being determined today and tomorrow in the House. And we'll have a tribute to Shane McGowan of the Pogues. We are hoping that right now this you'll put a dollar value on this kind of news and information because you've chosen to listen to it. You listen, uh, you go to WBUR.org. Perhaps you listen to our podcast. What is all of that worth to you? 1-800-909-9287-WBUR.org. Thank you. WBUR supporters include Road Scholar, creating educational travel adventures for adults around the world. Learn more at roadscholar.org slash learning. And Merrimack Repertory Theater with A Christmas Carol, a new adaptation highlighting Charles Dickens' time in Lowell, now through December 24th. Tickets at mrt.org.
This is All Things Considered from NPR News. I'm Mary Louise Kelly. And I'm Juana Summers. New York Republican Congressman George Santos is still insisting that he will not resign, even though another vote on whether to expel him from the U.S. House of Representatives is expected tomorrow. Earlier this month, the House Ethics Committee found that Santos, quote, blatantly stole from his campaign. Speaking on the House floor earlier today, Santos pushed back on those claims. I will not stand by quietly. They want me out of this body. The people of the 3rd District of New York sent me here. If they want me out, they're going to have to go silence those people and take the hard vote. Well, NPR's Jasmine Garst is in Long Island. She is in George Santos District, and she joins us now. Hi there. Hello. All right, Jasmine, what is it like there? What have you been hearing as you've been talking to folks? Well, I spoke to people from across the political spectrum, and you would be hard-pressed to find anyone here who isn't disgusted with Santos's alleged behavior. Earlier this morning, I spoke to Martins Alves. She was waiting for the train with her two kids, and she said if he does not get voted out, she will feel really mad, really aggravated, the whole thing. That just shows us that politics are more important than our uh, values. So while Santos seems to think a vote to expel him would be silencing people in his district, there are certainly people here who do not feel that way at all. Right. And we should just note there is, of course, the chance that Santos hangs on to that seat. Are there concerns that that would have larger scale political repercussions? Well, the sense I got was people being fed up with a system that enabled Santos to rise, uh, th- that he's symptomatic of a larger problem. A lot of people wouldn't talk to me on record, but said something along the lines of, well, you know, this is how low American politics has stooped. One woman who did speak to me was Rena Medea. She was going on a stroll with her mom, and she told me she feels what happens to Santos in the coming days could send a, a message to other politicians about what kind of behavior they can and cannot get away with. I understand the Republicans' point of view that they don't want to get rid of him because he is one of the few that they have in power in New York State, a very Democratic state. But we have to do something about this guy because he's being represented as an example, and you don't want that. She says she feels this type of impunity is comparable to any corrupt governments abroad. And she points out something that's a big concern for Republicans here in Washington, which is that if Santos is expelled, that will cut into their already slim House majority. What did Republicans there in New York have to say about that? Well, that's definitely a concern. New York votes Democratic, and there's no guarantee that another Republican will win the congressional seat Santos holds, especially after a scandal like this. Santos, for his part, has said he's not going to run for re-election. But Republican constituents I spoke to are also outraged with Santos's behavior. They feel it's just not something the party should stand by. This morning, I spoke to Lou Hochstein outside a coffee shop. He told me he voted for President Donald Trump, but he just has no more patience left for Santos. I mean, he did things that would, he he used our money to get Botox and he used our money to to go on and buy fancy. Uh, You see when he dresses, everything is so spiffy and, you know, very nice. So I I think he had enough chances. I I just, I would just toss him out with the garbage and get somebody fresh and new. Santos says he didn't do anything wrong. People in this district are not buying it. NPR's Jasmine Garst, thank you. Thank you.
The U.S. is aging fast. In fact, the oldest baby boomers start turning 80 in a few years, and it is happening amid a historic shortage of affordable housing and high prices. NPR's Jennifer Ludden reports on new warning that many seniors will struggle to get the housing and the care they need. You know how some of the best Christmas songs are also some of the saddest songs you've ever heard? The Pogues fairy tale of New York fits firmly within that tradition. It was Christmas Eve, babe, in the drunk tank. It's about this couple on Christmas, barely scraping by under the weight of their addictions. Life's rough, but they're in love. It's an acerbic sort of love. You're a bum, you're a punk. You're an old slut and junk but it's love nonetheless. Shane McGowan was born on Christmas Day in 1957. In the 2001 book he co-wrote with his then-partner, Victoria Mary Clark, he describes a childhood where he was allowed to stay up with the grown-ups to drink and gamble. And then punk blew up, and he started his own band, the Nipple Erectors, which was short-lived, but McGowan and other members of the band eventually formed the Pogues. Their second album, 1985's Rum, Sodomy, and The Lash, really drove the band's popularity, with songs like Hair, Brown Eyes, and their cover of Dirty Old Town. I kiss my girl but as the band got more popular, McGowan's substance abuse got worse. By the 90s, he was kicked out of the band. He started a new band, but eventually found his way back to the Pogues in 2001. He was still, in the public's eye, known for his drinking. In 2004, McGowan did a talk show appearance with presenter Frank Skinner. And it's a normal, jokey talk show interview until Skinner asks, So have you got any ambitions left, Shay? He pauses, um, oh, waffles about for a yeah, bit, well, until he starts talking about the 20-year relationship he had with a young lady. I'd like to patch that up, because it's uh, gonna scary for the... It's gonna scary before, but not for this long, you know? This is Victoria you went yeah, for right? yeah. And is there any chance of you sorting it out? I don't know. McGowan and Victoria Mary Clark eventually married in 2018. In the Instagram post announcing his death, she wrote, Rayvon in the garden, all wet with rain that you loved so much. You meant the world to me. Andrew Limbong and Pyrenees. Okay, and a little bit of tape confusion there, but now we are going to bring you the story about the U.S. and how it is aging fast. Here's NPR's Jennifer Ludden reporting on a new warning for seniors. A few decades ago, Leslie McIntyre thought she was doing everything right for a comfortable life. She was a tax accountant in Washington, D.C. and co-owned a not-for-profit bookstore. I had good savings. I was quite happy, quite frankly. And I was preparing to go back to school. 
Then a car accident dislocated her hip, left her traumatized, and derailed her career. She held on in her rent-controlled apartment for quite a while, but eventually McIntyre went on disability and burned through savings, waiting three years to get into the senior housing where she is now. And by the time I got in here, I was seriously considering going into a shelter. I paid my rent, my utilities. I had SNAP benefits for food, and I had $25 left over. And you just can't live on that in the long run. McIntyre is now 69 and grateful to pay only 30% of her income for rent. Unlike Medicaid and SNAP benefits for food, federal housing subsidies are not an entitlement program. Only about a third of seniors who qualify actually get them. That's left more than 11 million older adults burdened by housing costs, an all-time high, according to a report out today from Harvard's Joint Center for Housing Studies. Lead author Jennifer Malinsky says that number will keep going up as boomers enter their 80s. Their purchasing power is going down at a time when rents are rising and other costs are rising, food and you know, health care and all of that. More people will have medical problems, which can be costly, but their income is likely fixed or going down. The report finds only 14 percent of older adults living alone could afford a daily visit from a home health aide. Only 13 percent could move to assisted living without dipping into their assets. Two other trends spell trouble ahead. Since the 2008 housing crash, the home ownership rate for people in midlife is down significantly, and that could leave many of them cash-strapped later on because they have to rent. At the same time, there's been a jump in the share of older people who still owe money on their mortgage, even into their 80s. People who have mortgages are so much more likely to face affordability challenges. Malinsky says there just aren't nearly enough places that are safe, convenient, and affordable for people to live as they age. You not only need affordable housing, you may also need accessible housing, and you may need to have it located near transportation because you no longer drive, or near your existing social and service network, which is really important. The Harvard report also notes that people 50 and older now make up a growing share of the homeless population. That includes Harry Robertson, a Washington, D.C. native who spent years bouncing between shelters, rehab, friends and family, never wanting to impose for too long. I could never stay nowhere more than one day. If they allowed me two days, that was a blessing. So spent a lot of time outside. Robertson is 56 and proud that he finally became sober while caring for his mother before she died. This year, he also got a federal housing voucher, but that process took five long years. My mental state then was not good at all. You know, I was crumbling. It shouldn't take that long to get someone housing. Margot Cushell of UC San Francisco says more people over 50 are also losing housing for the first time. Often it's those who've had low-wage, physically demanding jobs without a pension or strong health care. Increasingly, the story of homelessness among adults is going to be older adults living in poverty who are spending what should be their retirement years in the streets. That was NPR's Jennifer Ludden, and this is NPR News. We're funded by you, our listeners, and by Fidelity Investments, reminding you it's never too early to start saving for your child's future. Learn more about a tax-advantaged 529 college savings account and how you can use the money to pay for qualified expenses 
at fidelity.com slash ufund. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE SIPC. This is 90.9 WBUR. Coming up in about 15 minutes, international climate change negotiations began in Dubai with the announcement of a fund to help developing countries with the worst impact of climate change. Getting the funding will be hard, though. Stocks have finished up the best month of the year. The Dow hit a new high for 2023. It gained nearly 1.5% to close at almost 36,000. S&P gained nearly four-tenths of a percent. The Nasdaq lost a little ground, just about a quarter of a percent. In the forecast, a nice evening overnight tonight should be Weirdly warm, 40 degrees overnight tonight. Then for tomorrow, a few clouds in the morning, maybe some showers in the afternoon. Temperatures rising to the mid-50s could hover around 50 degrees both Saturday and Sunday. 44 now in Boston at 424. WBUR supporters include MathWorks, creators of MATLAB and Simulink software, powering the engineering design workshop exhibit at the Museum of Science, mathworks.com MOS and Cambridge School of Culinary Arts in Porter Square, with private cooking events for team building, family reunions, birthday parties, or nights out. CambridgeCulinary.com. I'm Meghna Chakrabarty. I believe real journalism is essential to our daily life and our collective future. I believe public radio is one of the last great hopes for journalism in our country. If you believe these things, too, then I'm asking you to start a monthly contribution to WBUR. It doesn't have to be a lot of money, maybe just $10 to $15 a month. It'll go a long way to protect one of life's essentials. Give at WBUR.org or call 1-800-909-9287. We want to thank everybody who's given so far, and lots and lots of people have called or gone to WBUR.org to give in this end-of-the-year fund drive. If you have yet to give, and if this is the time of year that you decide which are the most important organizations to my life, which reward me the most for what I give them, Consider WBUR, and please make a pledge right now, 1-800-909-9287 or WBUR.org. What you get back for your contribution, and, and we can't say this for all nonprofits, what you get back is so transparently what you put into it, because everything you put into WBUR comes back in the form of what you hear on the air, what you get on our podcast, what you get online, uh, what you get on uh, Cognoscenti, city space events that we have. It's, um, it is uh, the kind of uh, arrangement that we love. You know exactly what you're getting, and that's what you're paying for. 1-800-909-9287-WBUR.org. Oh, I'm Lisa Mullins with Deborah Becker. Let me hear a story. I always think everybody knows you're here. Yes, <laughs> yes I do. That's who we're standing right next to each other. <laughs> Last night, I'm at an event. I'm outside. I'm wearing my WBUR hat, and someone says to me, WBUR. And I said, oh, you know WBUR. And she looks at me. She says, everyone knows WBUR. <laughs> <laughs> true story, true story. But I do think that it does highlight that WBUR is an important part of this community. I don't know if everybody knows WBUR, but they should. you should. And if you're listening right now and you know WBUR and you know you listen to WBUR, then help us out during this fun drive. Help us have the resources we need to bring you the strong journalism that you expect from us. And we have a great thank you gift right now. It's something I'm kind of obsessed with. It's the New York Times uh, a digital subscription to the New York Times uh, cooking app, which is wonderful. Thousands and thousands of recipes right at your fingertips. Uh, A wide, wide array. If you were thinking, hmm, 
I have some spinach. What can I do different tonight? You will find it on this app. It will give you substitutions. It will really uh, give you different ideas about uh, making your meals. So I highly recommend it. It's yours for $12 a month for your public radio listening. So call now with that pledge, 1-800-909-9287 or WBUR.org. And when you do call in, you will automatically be entered in to win uh, our sweepstakes. And this is an unbelievable offering. You could win a trip to anywhere in the world. Somebody else, one of our other uh, listeners, won this last time we offered it. So imagine wherever you want to go. Um, the the price tag is $10,000. You don't pay any of it. It's a customized trip from CBT Travel. You can use it for air and ground travel, hotels and excursions. And think about excursions. Maybe think not just where you want to go, but what you want to do. Would you like to go to the national parks? Would you like to go backpacking someplace or skiing or hiking? Or uh, visiting nature, um, a safari maybe, hot air balloons. Mm. Had the great chance to go to, on a hot air balloon in Cappadocia, Turkey, which was unbelievable. And so think about what it is that you'd like to experience and do. And call, because you don't have any chance at all of winning the sweepstakes if you don't make a phone call. 1-800-909-9287-WBUR.org. We hope you'll make a pledge in whatever amount is good for you, whatever you can afford. 1-800-909-9287-WBUR.org. I'm Kayla from Burlington, New Jersey, and I would say that the spot on top of my vacation bucket list right now is Rio de Janeiro. Hi, this is Casey from Somerville. My number one bucket list destination is Australia. I would love to go there because my parents lived there when they were in their 20s, and I'd love to just walk in their footsteps and see the sights that they saw and see the old apartment that they lived in, just get to experience all the animals and the nature and the culture that is in Australia. And where would you like to go? Because a lucky listener is going to win our sweepstakes for a customized trip anywhere in the world. Maybe Australia, maybe Brazil, maybe national parks. You get to choose. You design the trip. But this ends tomorrow. So if you want to get in on the sweepstakes to win the trip again anywhere in the world, then call right now with your pledge. Do it because the sweepstakes ends tomorrow. 1-800-909-9287. And think of all the news that you've heard so far and the news that's coming up on WBUR. Today, tonight, tomorrow, already reporters are working hard on stories we're going to bring you tomorrow and the day after and the day after that. Yes, that includes the weekends. This is a 24-7 operation, and that takes money. News is an expensive enterprise. Please just do your own share. 1-800-909-9287-WBUR.org. We are so grateful. Thank you. We're funded by you, our listeners, and by The Provider Group, an insurance brokerage and benefits firm serving high net worth individuals and businesses, working with carriers like Safety Insurance, ProviderIG.com. Live from NPR News, I'm Dale Willman. White House officials say the U.S. is working with Ukraine to prepare for an expected winter attack by Russia. And national security spokesman John Kirby says Ukraine desperately needs U.S. help. This is no easy task, none of this. We have more work to do in support of Ukraine, and we need Congress to take action to pass additional supplemental funding so that we can keep providing Ukraine with the air defense assets 
assets, the protection equipment, and the backup supplies that they need. Kirby says Ukraine also needs equipment and supplies to keep people from losing their heat and electricity as the weather turns colder. A federal watchdog will investigate how authorities reached a decision about where to relocate the FBI's headquarters. As NPR's Kerry Johnson reports, lawmakers in Virginia asked for the probe after losing out to a location in Maryland. Virginia's congressional delegation says there's, quote, overwhelming evidence that the General Services Administration process has been infected by politics. The FBI director raised alarms because he says the federal worker who made the call might have a conflict of interest. Now the inspector general at the GSA says he'll begin investigating the site selection for a new FBI building. He says he'll begin work immediately and share any report about his findings. The current building in downtown Washington is in bad shape. The Biden administration says a new site in Maryland is close to public transportation and meets other key requirements. Carrie Johnson, NPR News. Some good news for t- potential home buyers today. The average long-term mortgage rate has fallen for the fifth week in a row. The average rate on the 30-year mortgage now sits at 7.22 percent. That's its lowest rate in 10 weeks, but two years ago, rates were around 3 percent. On Wall Street, the Dow Jones Industrial Average closed up 520 points. The Nasdaq closed down 32 points, and the S&P 500 closed up 17 points. You're listening to NPR News. This is 90.9 WBUR. Good afternoon. I'm Lisa Mullins. Democrats on Beacon Hill say they've reached agreement on a long-delayed $2.8 billion supplemental budget. It includes $250 million for the state's overburdened shelter system and requires state officials to set up a congregate shelter site for people on the wait list. Advocates for migrants and unhoused families are praising the agreement. Andrea Park is a director with the Massachusetts Law Reform Institute. It is really important that the state take responsibility for the people who they have um, you know, deemed to be eligible for the program and make sure that they're not sleeping outside or in unsafe places. House and Senate lawmakers could pass the budget during informal sessions today, though Republicans have signaled they may attempt to block it. The state's highest court is issuing new standards for handling cases of people with substance use disorder and mental health conditions. The Supreme Judicial Court says Massachusetts courts should offer people options for treatment and recovery. The SJC also says courts need to eliminate stigma when they address substance use and mental health issues. Boston Pops is inviting military veterans to watch tonight's dress rehearsal previewing the orchestra's holiday Pops concerts. The Boston Symphony Orchestra's director of artistic planning, Dennis Alves, says he hopes this becomes an annual tradition. I'm of the mind that uh, we don't do enough for our veterans, and if there's anything that we can do here musically and with the arts to help recognize their incredible contribution to our country, then we'll do it. Tonight's rehearsal will include a special reading of Twas the Night Before Christmas by a former commander of the USS Constitution. The forecast is coming up. WBUR supporters include Lauren Holleran with Gibson Sotheby's International Realty in Cambridge, real estate brokerage that is grounded in data and committed to thoughtful design, laurenholleran.com, and Jewish Arts Collaborative with Hanukkah, the Festival of Lights, music, arts, jelly donuts, and more. December 7th, Museum of Fine Arts, jartsboston.org. Partly cloudy skies overnight tonight and fairly mild, about 40 degrees overnight. Tomorrow, maybe some clouds in the morning and then isolated showers in the afternoon. Temperatures in the mid-50s tomorrow for the weekend, hovering around 50 degrees. It is 43 degrees now in Boston at 435.
Support for NPR comes from this station. And from Breadbox with Payback, a new original crime thriller from the creator of Line of Duty and Bodyguard, starring Grant Chester's Morgan Christie and Ozark's Peter Mullen. Streaming at BritBox.com slash NPR. From Procter & Gamble, maker of Z-Quil Pure Z's Gummies, designed with melatonin for occasional sleeplessness to help people fall asleep naturally. Learn more at zquill.com. And from the sustaining members of this NPR station. From NPR News, this is All Things Considered. I'm Juana Summers. And I'm Mary Louise Kelly. With the death of Henry Kissinger at the age of 100, we are going to take a moment now to remember one of the most controversial episodes in his long and controversial career, Chile, where in the 1970s he helped to orchestrate a plan that wound up toppling the democratically elected president, Salvador Allende. Here to talk more about the former Secretary of State and former National Security Advisor's role in Chile is Peter Kornblue. He is director of the National Security Archives Chile Documentation Project. Welcome. It's a pleasure to be with you, Mary Louise. All right. Why did Henry Kissinger think this plan was a good idea? Henry Kissinger had a concern about the free election of Salvador Allende, the first democratically elected socialist uh, in the world. Um, And as Kissinger eventually wrote in a top-secret memo to President Nixon, he was worried about the insidious model effect that Allende's election could have on Latin America and even in Europe. Um, And his point to Nixon was, Allende was elected legitimately, we cannot deny him any legitimacy, Um, but if he presents a successful model to the world, um, this is going to affect our position in the world. Um, He basically was enunciating what I would call the domino theory of uh, electoral socialism. Yeah. And just to state the obvious, this is the 1970s. We're in the Cold War and Salvador Allende was a, was a socialist, was pro-Cuba, was all these things that were problematic for the U.S. in that moment. Yes. Although he represented uh, electoral socialism and the United States was, you know, very fully on record for the respect for sovereignty and self-determination, uh, unlike uh, the Cuban Revolution, where we could say that uh, Fidel Castro did not have any legitimacy as the uh, leader of, of Cuba. We couldn't say that in the case of Chile. And we wouldn't be able to say that in other countries if Allende was successful and other countries started to form progressive leftist and middle-of-the-road coalitions yeah. that, that um, brought socialists to power. Yeah. I'll introduce another name, which is Pinochet. Was the end result of all this was Pinochet taking over as dictator and for, what, 17 years, standing at the helm of a brutal regime under which thousands of Chileans were disappeared, were tortured, were murdered. Did Henry Kissinger ever express remorse for what went down in Chile? I think the historical record beyond a doubt shows that he was the chief architect of the U.S. policy to destabilize the democratically elected government of Salvador Allende, but he was also the leading enabler of the consolidation of the military regime of General Augusto Pinochet. And for the first three years of that regime, despite widespread evidence of massive human rights violations, Kissinger pressed forward with this policy of economic support, military support, and diplomatic support. His embrace of the regime was so strong that Congress passed these laws that made human rights a criteria 
in U.S. foreign policy, restricting Kissinger's ability to continue that support. Kissinger never really expressed any remorse for the atrocities that the U.S. was backing under his tenure. Um, And in fact, when he was asked about it years later, he basically said, well, you know, human rights was not an issue back in those days. I think that Chile goes down in the history of Kissinger's legacy as the true um, stain of his reputation. And it's now 50 years since the coup that overthrew Allende and his government. Um, How is this feud in Chile today? Well, the Chileans are talking about this. Uh, Kissinger obviously changed the course of the history of that smaller country. And the historical record, I think, will outlive uh, and has outlived him. And, you know, years from now, when the compliments that have been paid to him at this time have faded in memory, the verdict of history will still be there. Peter Kornblue, he's director of the National Security Archive's Chile Documentation Project, also author of The Pinochet File. Thank you. Thanks so much, Mary Louise. Jonathan Major seemed on the verge of superstardom when he was cast as the next major villain in the Marvel Cinematic Universe a few years ago. Here's a clip from his debut as one version of that character called He Who Remains in an episode of the Disney Plus series Loki back in 2021. I've been dubbed many names by many people. A ruler, a conqueror, he who remains, a jerk. But it's, it's not as simple as a name. But Major's career is now in question after charges he assaulted his girlfriend during an argument. His trial began jury selection yesterday after several delays. And here to talk about the impact on the actor's career and Hollywood itself is NPR TV critic and media analyst Eric Deggins. Hey there. Hi. So, Eric, I understand that Majors faces four misdemeanor charges of assault and aggravated harassment. Is that right? Yeah, and the circumstances are murky. I mean, the woman involved in this altercation, Grace Jabari, was also arrested for assault, but the Manhattan District Attorney decided not to pursue the case. So, Rolling Stone magazine published an investigation earlier this year suggesting that Majors had a pattern of physically and emotionally abusing partners that stretched back more than 10 years To his time at Yale University, his supporters may be hoping that a victory in court can maybe rescue his reputation. Okay, and how has all of this impacted his career so far? Well, I think there's a sense that many things involving his career are kind of in a holding pattern right now, pending the outcome of this trial. I mean, Majors has insisted he's innocent of the charges. For a time, people thought he might be comparable to Denzel Washington as a black leading man with impressive acting skill, on-screen charisma, physicality, thanks to his work in movies like Creed Three and the last Ant-Man film. But when he was arrested back in March, Majors was dropped by his management and publicist and was removed from an ad campaign. Right, and as we were talking about, he was cast as the next big villain in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. What can you tell us about his future acting roles? Well, Majors was cited as one of the few bright spots in this mostly disappointing Marvel film, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania. Marvel's already struggling with sagging box office and an audience that seems to be tiring of superheroes. Another version of Majors' character was also in the second season of Loki on Disney+, and he was scheduled to be featured in an Avengers movie. So far, Marvel hasn't moved to recast him, but it could be a real problem for them if they have to replace him. 
Right, and there's also another movie that he's had that's been delayed from being released. Is that right? Yeah, he also starred in a film that got a lot of attention during the Sundance Festival this year called Magazine Dreams about an aspiring, dysfunctional bodybuilder. Now, I saw that movie, and his physical transformation for it was jaw-dropping. He played this character that was like a cross between Arnold Schwarzenegger and Travis Bickle from Taxi Driver, but Disney, which owns Marvel, has removed Magazine Dreams from its release schedule and delayed it indefinitely. So, Eric, obviously, jury selection is just beginning in this trial, so there's a lot that we're still going to learn here. But do you think it will be possible for Jonathan Majors to continue with his career as an actor after this trial ends? It's going to be a challenge. I might compare his situation to Johnny Depp, faced a bruising defamation trial against his ex-wife, Amber Heard, but a verdict there that seemed to be largely in his favor helped his public image. It's tough to know if a younger black actor will have the same shot at rehabilitation if Majors has a successful verdict in his trial, but I think regardless of the verdict, Majors is going to have to work hard to restore his image to the point where he can play leads in these big blockbuster movies. NPR TV critic and media analyst Eric Daggins. Eric, thank you. Thank you. This is NPR News. WBUR supporters include Burton's Grill and Bar with modern American cuisine and craft cocktails for family meals, business lunches, drinks with friends, and group events. Gluten-free and kids' menus available, too. And the Boston Foundation, knowing that bringing people together is the best way to advance opportunity and equity in our city, the Boston Foundation is a convener, a research hub, and a civic leader. The Boston Foundation. Move equity. Move Boston. Learn more at tbf.org. I'm Deepa Fernandes, and I am a co-host of Here and Now. So I grew up in Sydney, Australia, and there were never really any people of colour, any immigrants. Um, People like my family were not journalists. We didn't see them on TV. We didn't hear them on the radio. And when I started college, a professor, he said that I belonged on the campus radio station. As I walked in the door... They looked at me and they said, can you read? And I was a bit confused, but I looked at them and said, uh, yeah. And they said, great, because the newsreader didn't show up. Uh, They thrust some copy in my hands and they said, you'll be on in five minutes. And instead of reading that copy in five minutes, I went to the phone and I called my mum and I called my sister and they proceeded to call every Indian in Sydney who then proceeded to call everybody they knew And in five minutes, when that mic went on, I nailed that script. And everyone was listening, and it spread through the community, and it was this amazing thing. And then I realized the power of a microphone. I feel like at Here and Now, we tell stories every single day of communities that matter, of people who are part of our society, of people whose voices we need in the conversation, because All voices are necessary to help us all be informed and and make better decisions. And that is absolutely 100% true for here and now and for everything that we hear on WBUR. There is not a day that goes by when we're not talking about the people that we're interviewing, people we're featuring in stories that we do, who we're going out to track down, to find because we do believe in lifting all voices and having all voices represented. And we hope that you appreciate that and that that's one of the reasons that you listen. I think one of the things that happens during these fun drives is we're encouraging you to actually 
uh, take apart, dissect exactly what you hear on WBR, what you get at WBR.org, what you hear on the podcast, whether they edify you, uh, challenge you, entertain you, whatever it is, put a dollar value on it and let us know by calling 1-800-909-9287-WBUR.org. I'm Lisa Mullins. Happy to be in the studio with Deborah Becker. Hello there. Hello, everyone. I hope you're having a, a, a great afternoon. And uh, can I say something, Lisa? I mean, not not to be offensive at all, but we've been here a long time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we've been yeah, here a long time, and we have really watched WBUR grow, right? This organization has really grown into a, a multi-platform media organization, and we've been able to do that because of you, because of your donations. You've given us the resources to make that possible so we can put our journalism online, so we can add digital posts and visuals and photographs, and we can do podcasts, and you can download things on your phone. It's here for you we're here for you. We're asking you to keep the resources coming so we can continue to evolve for you to better serve you. With the journalism, the information that, as Deepa said, helps you make better decisions. So call now, make that pledge, and help WBUR not only stay a member, a solid member of your community, but continue to grow with you in the community. Here's the number. It's 1-800-909-9287, and the website's WBUR.org. If you give Give now, and we hope you will. You could win a trip anywhere in the world. That is a trip anywhere. You heard that right. For It's a $10,000 trip. You don't have to pay a penny on it. You won't pay a penny because it comes with courtesy of CBT Travel. Uh, it can be used for air and ground travel, your hotel and excursions, anywhere you want. Make a call right now, 1-800-909-9287, or go online and pledge at WBUR.org. Come fly with me. Let's fly, let's fly away If you can use some exotic booze There's a bar in far Bombay Come fly with me Little, little uh, Frank Sinatra there. Where would you fly to if you could go anywhere in the world? Because someone is going to win the sweepstakes during our WBUR fun drive for a trip anywhere. This is a customized trip worth $10,000, and you design it. We'll send you. This is our sweepstakes during this fundraiser. Get in on it now because the sweepstakes ends tomorrow. So make a pledge for the news. Support your public radio listening today and get your name in that sweepstakes. one 800 909-9287-WBUR.org. I want to go down um, Route 2 to Deb's Kitchen and find out what she's making because there's another offer that we have for you aside from the sweepstakes. We do $12 a month and you will get a digital subscription to New York Times Cooking. Which Deb has. Which, and it's wonderful. Anytime you're looking for a recipe or say you have a little leftover this or say your neighbor gives you a bunch of zucchini and you don't know what to do with it all, just go to your New York Times Cooking digital subscription and all the answers will be there for you. It's really wonderful. $12 a month and it's yours. A little thank you gift for doing your part to support the news, 1-800-909-9287-WBUR.org. Support for NPR comes from this station and from Subaru. The Subaru Share the Love event runs through January 2nd. By year's end, Subaru and its retailers will have donated over $285 million to charity. Subaru.com share. And from Indeed, 
designed to be an end-to-end -end hiring solution for businesses of all sizes to attract, interview, and hire candidates all from a single platform. Learn more at indeed.com NPR. This is NPR. An Iran-linked hacking group broke into a water facility northwest of Pittsburgh last weekend. And while the breach didn't affect water safety here in the U.S., it is a striking example of how cyber attacks can bring a war happening continents away right up close. NPR cybersecurity correspondent Jenna McLaughlin joins us in studio to explain. Hi, Jenna. Hey. So, Jenna, there's a link here between this Pennsylvania water facility and the war between Israel and Hamas. Is that right? Yeah, it might seem random, but there is a connection, I promise. So the group responsible for the attack, they call themselves the Cyber Avengers, and they left a message on a video screen for one water pump in the station in Aliquippa. They wrote the message, you've been hacked and down with Israel. They said that they targeted that particular device because some of its components were made in Israel. So in the early days of the conflict after Hamas's brutal attack on Israelis, hackers played a smaller role. There were some smaller hacktivist groups. They boasted about low-level denial-of-service attacks, breaking into CCTV cameras. But then Iranian-linked groups kind of joined in the fight mid-November. And look, you know, this attack didn't end up having a major impact, but it still does show that Iran sees that anything tied to Israel, including U.S. Crit critical infrastructure, it's fair game. Jenna, what else can you tell us about the other hacking groups that you're seeing involved in this war? Yeah, there are actually a lot of them. There are dozens on both sides of the conflict, pro-Israel and pro-Hamas. Some of them already existed. Others are just recently popping up. I spoke to Gil Messing. He's the chief of staff at the Israeli cybersecurity firm Checkpoint, and he's been tracking all of this very closely. Here's what he said. We're now tracking over 150 such uh, groups. And since you and I started to correspond, it was probably 20 or 30 or 40. So there's a more groups and more hacktivist groups are, are joining. His main concern, though, was Iran. He says that these groups have gotten a lot more advanced in recent years. He made note of another group besides the Cyber Avengers called Cyber Tufan, and they've hacked some really prominent companies in Israel and taken down major businesses for multiple days, including Israel's version of Home Depot called Home Center. Cyber Tufan, I'm not familiar. What can you tell us about them? Yeah, so Messing actually told me that Tufan refers to the name that Hamas is using for this war. It means flood. They popped up on November 18th on Telegram. Messing says that Telegram's getting very popular in Israel, kind of similar to how Ukrainians are using it during the war with Russia. Messing says even his mom has it now. Hmm. Uh, on Telegram, they've been dumping all of this sensitive data, and not only is it a huge disruption for the companies themselves, it gives hackers data about customers so that they can target additional future attacks. CyberTufan did actually briefly pause operations during the ceasefire, uh, but they've already resumed their activities. They're claiming that they hacked an Israeli metalworking conglomerate now. Okay, and how seriously is Israel taking these cyber attacks? It's a real concern, enough so that Israeli authorities are giving themselves new emergency wartime powers over cyber issues. Like what? Can you give us some examples? Yeah, so when it comes to cloud storage and digital service companies, if there's a major cyber attack and the Israeli government thinks that the company's response isn't sufficient, they can kind of step in and take over. Hmm. And the main reason for that is because these companies are a major part of the supply chain. They work with and have contracts with vital services in Israel. That includes hospitals, government agencies. I think overall, this is a recognition of how Israel is really concerned about cyber attacks and the ongoing war with Hamas and its supporters. Thank you, Jenna. Thanks. That was NPR's Jenna McLaughlin.
You're listening to All Things Considered from NPR News. We're funded by you, our listeners, and by Johnson & Wales, committed to going beyond the classroom by helping students develop networks and experience in fields like healthcare, business, and cybersecurity. And Blue Cross Blue Shield of Massachusetts, Medicare plans for every lifestyle and budget. Visit bluecrossma.com slash go. I'm Meghna Chakrabarty. Threats to democracy make an informed public critical to America's future. WBUR will always be free thanks to listeners who give voluntarily. Give monthly to give real journalism a strong future. Here's how. It's easy. Call 1-800-909-9287 or go online at WBUR.org and decide how much WBUR is worth to you. If for some reason we went off the air in five seconds and uh, you wanted to get us back, what would you pay to get us back? What would you pay for the stories that you've heard so far? Just these individual stories about the Israeli government passing new emergency wartime powers, giving it more authority over cyberspace, the story you just heard. Uh, Earlier on, about millions of seniors in America struggling to pay for housing, especially if they need caregiving. And we heard the tribute to Shane McGowan, the uh, famously hard-drinking but spectacular musician who was with the Pogues, who has died at the age of 65. It's really the whole spectrum of stories, from hard news to feature stories to stories that add something to your life, to your conversations. That's what we're asking you to pay for, 1-800-909-9287-WBUR.org. And you know, Magna said something really interesting. She said, uh, you know, there's no paywall. <laughs> We've never had a paywall. We we never will have a paywall. The way that we fund this journalism is really through you. Your donations make all of this possible. We would not be able to do this unless we had so many generous listeners. So thank you so much for your contributions, and thank you if you've already donated during this year in Fund Drive. But if you haven't, we're saying please do so now. Please let us continue to have the money we need to fund this multi-platform media organization to make sure that we don't have a paywall, that our journalism is accessible to everyone. So call now. Make that pledge. It takes just about a minute or so. We're going to, we're in, what, about the middle of this fundraiser, I'd say, Lisa? I think that's where we are right now. So call in the middle before it ends, 1-800-909-9287, and call before the sweepstakes ends, because that's really something. Did you say sweepstakes? I did. Yeah. Are you thinking about the one where you can win a trip anywhere in the world? Mm, that's the one I'm well, thinking Well, yeah, and you don't have to pay anything. You just have to call in at 1-800-909-9287-WBUR.org. We certainly hope you will make a gift to WBUR when you do that. It's a trip worth $10,000, a customized trip. You're the ones who customize it, and it comes to us from CBT Travel. Um, And this is, if you can just imagine, anywhere you'd like to go and what you would like to do if you'd like to go on a safari or go hiking or or um, uh, go to historical sites, whatever it happens to be, this just let your imagination run wild because somebody is going to win this trip and somebody won it last time, in fact, and um, they, they are swamped with many ideas of where to go and they haven't taken it yet, but I'm sure they will very soon. <laughs> so please decide that you want to support WBUR and just, by the way, you get uh, entered into Windy Sweepstakes and tomorrow is the last day you can enter in. So please do do it now. Make the phone call now as we go back to the news. 1-800-909-9287-WBUR.org.
Maybe, maybe San Francisco. If I could wear flowers in my hair, I think I want to go to San Francisco in the 60s. It was more interesting. <laughs> Where would you go, Deb? I, I don't know. I think, uh, I think I'd like to go to Indonesia. Oh, I've, good one. Yeah, I've never been to Indonesia. Yeah. I, if I could go anywhere, I might pick Indonesia. I'd love to see it. I'd Get love to go to India. Yeah. Right? Really? So, I mean, hey, it's a $10,000 customized trip. You get to choose, whether it's San Francisco, whether it's Acadia National Park, whether it's Indonesia, where would you go? Uh, too many places. <laughs> I have no idea, um, but far. <laughs> yeah, yes, right, far right. And, and unfamiliar. <laughs> right, right. And somebody is going to win this trip. It's a sweepstakes for one lucky listener during this December fundraiser here at WBUR. So call now. Get your name entered in that sweepstakes. And remember, if you're thinking, well, I don't know how much to give, how about $12 a month and we'll send you a digital subscription to New York Times Cooking. 1-800-909-9287. Thanks. Support for NPR comes from this station and from the Kauffman Foundation, providing access to opportunities that help people achieve financial stability, upward mobility, and economic prosperity, regardless of race, gender, or geography. Kauffman.org. From American Jewish World Service, supporting human rights advocates worldwide in the fight for democracy, equity, and justice for all people. Learn more at ajws.org. From Procter & Gamble, maker of Align Probiotic, a daily supplement designed by gastroenterologists to help relieve occasional bloating, gas, and abdominal discomfort. More at alignprobiotics.com. And from the sustaining members of this NPR station. I'm education reporter Carrie Young, and this is 90.9 WBUR-FM Boston, 92.7 WBUA-Tisbury, and 89.1 WBUH-Brewster. Listen anytime with our app or at WBUR.org. WBUR, Boston's NPR news station. Live from NPR News in Washington, I'm Jack Spear. Hamas released two more hostages earlier today, and the Israeli military says half a dozen more are being freed now. Thirty more Palestinians are also expected to be released. NPR's Lauren Freyer spoke with some of the individuals still being held in Israel without charge after Hamas attacked Israel in early October. Israeli police arrested 17-year-old Malik Mohammed Arafat Diba last summer in East Jerusalem. He was accused of stone-throwing, something he denies. He was never charged but spent five months in Israeli jail. And that's where Diba was when Hamas attacked Israel on October 7th. After the war began, he says the prison food got worse. Family visits were halted. He wasn't allowed to contact anyone and says he felt cut off from the world. Diba was released this week as part of exchanges of hostages and prisoners during the temporary truce. His mother, Nihal, says she is relieved. But that her happiness is tempered by the loss of life she's seen in Gaza. Another of her sons remains in an Israeli jail. Lauren Freyer, NPR News. The New York appeals court is reinstating a gag order that bars former President Donald Trump from commenting about court personnel during his civil fraud trial. Moved by the judge coming after Trump apparently posted a comment about a law clerk whom he disparaged in the past. The trial involves determining penalties after the court found that Trump inflated his wealth on financial statements to secure loans and make deals. Trump has denied any wrongdoing. 
On what is likely the eve of a vote to expel him from the U.S. House, New York Republican Congressman George Santos is insisting he will not resign. As NPR's Jasmine Garst reports, he faces a growing litany of charges and accusations for lying and for alleged financial misconduct. Santos survived a previous expulsion vote, but now the House Ethics Committee has found that he stole from his campaign for his own financial profit. Resident Martins Alves says if Santos does not get voted out tomorrow, this time she will feel really mad, really aggravated the whole thing. That just shows us that politics are more important than our uh, values. One major concern for Republicans is that voting Santos out will bring down their already slim House majority. But Republican constituents, like Lou Hochstein, say he's had enough chances. I would just toss him out with the garbage and get somebody fresh and new. Santos denies that he did anything wrong. Jasmine Garst, NPR News, New York. Members of the powerful oil cartel OPEC, along with Russia, emerged from an online meeting today vowing to cut output by more than 2 million barrels a day to try to prop up prices. Still sweeping cutbacks by OPEC and its individual member countries so far have had little lasting effect on oil prices. A mixed close on Wall Street. The Dow is up 520 points. This is NPR. This is 90.9 WBUR. Good afternoon. I'm Lisa Mullins. Massachusetts House and Senate have reached a deal on a compromise year-end supplemental budget. The nearly $3 billion agreement announced today contains $250 million for the state's emergency shelter system. It calls for the establishment of an emergency overflow site for families on the state shelter wait list. Republicans have indicated they might try to block the bill's passage. The city of Somerville has completed a review of its police department. Recommendations include eliminating some patrol officer and desk officer positions and creating new roles such as a property crimes detective. Massachusetts Attorney General Andrea Campbell wants new rules to fight so-called junk fees. Those are the additional charges, such as convenience or service fees, that are often tacked on to the end of a purchase. Campbell wants those fees to be disclosed up front. Boston Bruins look back to get back in the winning column tonight as they play the San Jose Sharks at the Garden. The Bees have lost their last three games and four of their last five. The puck drops at seven tonight. In the forecast, some fair weather clouds around tonight should be about 40 degrees for a low. Tomorrow, some clouds in the morning, sporadic showers in the afternoon, temperatures in the mid-50s. 42 now in Boston at 5.05. We're funded by you, our listeners, and by the Rockefeller Foundation, making opportunity universal and sustainable for over 100 years. Truth, independence, fairness, transparency, respect, Excellence. NPR. Donate. Thanks. Coming up on WBUR, former Secretary of State Henry Kissinger died yesterday at the age of 100. We will look at his legacy. We are right now, before we go to that story, inviting you to please tell us what stories like that one and everything that you have heard today and will hear are worth to you. And please put a dollar value on it. Call right now, one 800 909 9287wbur.org. You are our lifeline. You keep us afloat with your pledge. 
1-800-909-9287. That's the number to call. And it takes just about a minute. And, and you know, it is so true. And you are, you are our lifeline. We would not be able to bring you this journalism unless listeners decided to pitch in and give us the resources that we need. And that's how it works. We're so lucky to have this funding model. It's really allowed WBUR to grow, to be able to offer our journalism on all kinds of platforms and make it accessible to you never with a paywall and that's because of generous listeners we're asking you to keep it coming do it now during this year-end fundraiser it's a really important fundraiser for us and become part of not just the listening community but the contributing community to WBUR and know that you've done your part to pay for what you listen to 1-800-909-9287 is the number to call to keep WBUR strong you can also pledge online at WBUR.org. There are a lot of things that uh, we hear from our listeners that they love, uh, places they like to go, things they like to do. One thing that everyone practically talks about, and that is going to the national parks. I know there's somebody who works for Radio Boston who says that is basically on her bucket list to visit all the national parks in the U.S. Um, there are people who like hiking or skiing or backpacking or safaris. Whatever it happens to be, think about where it happens and um Call WBUR, get in on the sweepstakes for your trip anywhere in the world. $10,000 customized trip from CBT Travel. We'll hope you make the call right now. 1-800-909-9287-WBUR.org. That's what you want to do, I can tell, Deb. (laughs) How about soaking up a little sun? Wouldn't that be nice right now? What time does it get dark? Does it ever get light? I mean, really? We could use any kind of sun, but... 413. Anyway, if you'd like to get a little sun, we can, might be able to help you out. We have a sweepstakes during this uh, year on Fun Drive here at WBUR, and a lucky listener is going to get this. It's a $10,000 customized trip. So, you want to go get some sun, especially right now? How about the Bahamas? Really lovely, right? Yep. <laughs> we can, can dream. Think of lots of sunny places Saint right now. Lucia, right? I mean, <laughs> It's like all kinds of lovely places we could be right now. It would be a nice trip. Snap her out of this one. Right. It's going to be tough. So, uh, yeah, you will be able, somebody will be able to uh, perhaps get some sun or design any kind of trip that you'd like to take if you win our sweepstakes. 1-800-909-9287 is the number to call. The website's WBUR.org. And we should mention that we have a terrific thank you gift for your $12 a month contribution for the news. We will send you a digital subscription to New York Times Cooking. And it's a wonderful trove of recipes, all kinds, all different levels of cooking. If you're ever looking for new ideas, meal ideas, a special meal, or just a regular old weeknight meal, you can find it in the New York Times uh, Cooking digital subscription. We'll send you that for your $12 a month contribution for the news.
And that is just an added incentive for you to call in, um, because really, we're hoping that you appreciate what you hear on the air and understand your role in supporting WBUR. You, in aggregate, make up the largest portion of our budget. Your contributions do. We don't have a paywall. There's no chance that you're going to want to hear or read anything that we've done and won't have access to it because you haven't paid anything. This is this means that we rely on you. We are beholden to you, not on corporate dollars. We are so happy when we get underwriting dollars from local businesses, um, but that has even dried up to a certain extent. And that is why we hope that you'll hear our call, frankly, and make a pledge in whatever amount is good for you. If you can become a monthly subscriber, we would really appreciate that. Say $15 a month, $20 a month more if you can swing it. If you can't do it right now, we totally understand that. If you can, then please be as generous as you possibly can and know that when you pledge on a monthly basis, you can change the amount at any time depending on your own circumstances. So the number again is 1-800-909-9287-WBUR.org. Think about where in the world you would like to go if you win these sweepstakes. 1-800-909-9287-WBUR.org. Thank you. WBUR supporters include Sincere Foundation, which supports organizations that provide food security, housing stability, and safe spaces, and envisions a future where everyone has the opportunity to celebrate, recognize milestones, and honor memories. Sincere Foundation. Learn more and see if your program qualifies at Sincere.com. From NPR News, this is All Things Considered. I'm Mary Louise Kelly in Washington. And I'm Elsa Chang in Culver City, California. Don't speak ill of the dead. That's a saying you sometimes hear right after a prominent person has died. And to be sure, there have been many words of praise for the former National Security Advisor, former Secretary of State, and diplomatic giant that Henry Kissinger was. He died at his home in Connecticut at 100 years old. And one of Kissinger's successors, Antony Blinken, joined those praising his accomplishments. Secretary Kissinger really set the standard for everyone who followed in this job. Few people were better students of history. Even fewer people did more to shape history than Henry Kissinger. And yet, as soon as news of Kissinger's death broke, many were criticizing the very tactics that he used to shape history. For example, the headline on Rolling Stone's Kissinger obituary read, Henry Kissinger, war criminal, beloved by America's ruling class, finally dies. How can there be such divergent opinions about a single man who lived the majority of his life in the spotlight? Well, that's something we're going to talk about with Jeremy Surrey. He's professor of public affairs and history at the University of Texas at Austin and the author of Henry Kissinger and the American Century. Welcome. Thank you, Elsa. Let me ask you, what Kissinger viewed as his successes in the Cold War, like the thawing of relations between the U.S. and China, policy in Vietnam, much of that was predicated on a certain pragmatism that Kissinger operated on. Can you explain what that pragmatism was? Yes. Henry Kissinger frequently referred to what he called the national interest. His belief was that the United States and its foreign policy leaders should place the national interest above all other things, above ideology, even above morality at times. And so his pragmatism was an ironclad commitment to doing whatever it took 
to help the United States national interest, to make the United States more secure, to open markets for the United States, to make the United States more prosperous, and most of all, to combat American enemies in the Soviet Union and elsewhere. Right. And what were the costs of this way of thinking that America's interests were first and foremost? Like, can you walk us through a couple examples of how Kissinger's diplomatic goals meant that certain people in certain regions of the world paid a price? Yes. Uh, I think it's, first of all, important to say that your view of Kissinger probably varies based on where you live. So if you are a citizen of Europe, uh, particularly Germany, there are a lot of positive things he did. But as you imply in your question, if you're a citizen of some other regions of the world, you see things very differently. Uh, one example would, of course, be Chile, where uh, the Nixon-Kissinger administration in the 1970s comes to the conclusion that a popularly elected left-leaning government is too close to our enemy, uh, Fidel Castro and the Soviet Union, and that therefore the United States uh, will undertake to undermine that government uh, in, in, in sponsoring a coup, in fact. That coup will lead to more than 10 years of repressive authoritarian governance in Chile and in the entire region. Right. Uh, and so for Chileans, and I think the Chilean foreign minister even put something up on Twitter about this today, um, Kissinger is not seen as a hero at all. Well, some have said that it is impossible to evaluate Kissinger the diplomat without understanding Kissinger the man, that, that you need to take into account his own personal experience as a refugee from Nazi Germany. How might you connect his personal past with his foreign policy thinking? Well, I'm glad you asked that question because it's something I've spent a lot of time writing about in particular. Um, I, I think you can never separate the individual from their experiences, especially their early experiences. And we don't have to get all Freudian to believe that early experiences shape a worldview. Uh, Henry Kissinger comes of age in the shadow of the Holocaust. He comes of age um, at a time of war and he's forced to be a refugee and then make his way in a new society. He takes away some central lessons that he never loses. These become assumptions of life that uh, democracies without strong leadership are dangerous. That's what he saw in Weimar, Germany. That the United States must be engaged in the world. Isolationism allowed Nazism to fester in Europe. So the United States has to be engaged in the world, Kissinger believed, using its power. And I think he came to fear throughout his life what an absence of power would mean for him and for people like him. And so to the very last days of his life, this was a man who craved power, who was obsessed with being connected and mattering. There, there's no retirement for you if you fear that retirement means uh, death and destruction. Well, given all that's going on in the world right now, like the war in Ukraine, the war between Hamas and Israel, increased tensions with China, perhaps an emerging Cold War with Russia, I, how much does all of that either validate or refute Kissinger's strategies? I think this is the most important question, and, and it's so important for us to use this marker at the end of his life to, to reflect on this because it matters so much, and it's why I study history. We have to learn from the past, Elsa. Mm. Uh, I, I believe that Kissinger's career shows us, first of all, that American power is necessary in the world. It doesn't mean that we're the most important country in all cases. It doesn't mean we're always right. Uh, but it's hard to think about the problems in the world as we see them today or throughout Kissinger's life and imagine that they would be better if the United States were isolationist, if the United States didn't participate, didn't use its power and wealth to try to make a difference. Um, I think we absolutely have to be involved in what's happening in Ukraine. We absolutely need to be involved in the Middle East. Uh, it won't be better if we just 
try to go home and leave it to everyone else. That said, I think Kissinger's career also shows us that when using power, we have to perhaps be even more careful, even more discerning, and make sure we're bringing in even more voices than he did. The challenge of his policymaking was that it was very centered on a few people and a few countries that he valued most. And that led to many of the bad decisions that we've talked about in Chile, Bangladesh, Vietnam, East Timor, and the list goes on and on. Cambodia. These are places he knew little about, places he often cared little about. We shouldn't take his failures to mean that we should stay uninvolved, just the opposite. We need to be involved, but we need to be involved with our power in a more open way, open to the perspectives of more societies, more disciplined in how we use our power, and more discerning. And I think Kissinger's legacy should guide us in Ukraine and the Middle East today. We, we need to take those strictures in mind as we go forward and try to bring these conflicts to some kind of resolution. Jeremy Surrey, he's professor of public affairs and history at the University of Texas at Austin. Thank you so much for joining us today. My pleasure. Thank you. Today is ChatGPT's birthday. The rapidly evolving technology is one year old. Now, we know ChatGPT can write essays and code. It can answer complex questions nearly instantly. It has also reshaped the tech industry and raised fears over everything from potential job loss to potential threat to human life. NPR tech correspondent Bobby Allen has been following GPT since its inception. He joins me now. Bobby, a whole year. Congrats on your stamina (laughs) and welcome. Thanks. Uh, There's been so much hype these last 12 months. Help us sort the hype from what has proven real. I will say this, Mary Louise. When ChatGPT was first released and initially had this big pop, as a tech reporter, I thought, okay, I've seen this before, right? A lot of excitement about a new app. Will anyone really care to be talking about this some months from now? And the short answer is everyone does care months later. And it's because it's a really remarkable service, as you mentioned. It can explain complex topics, craft TV scripts. It can write jokes, though, yes, very cringeworthy ones. Bad jokes. Yes, bad jokes. But look, it has dazzled many, right? I mean, the underlying technology is just really, really remarkable. We've seen industries from education to healthcare, to law, all adapting to this new chat GPT world. I asked University of Pennsylvania computer science professor Michael Kearns about how history might remember chat GPT. And he told me. From just an awareness and impact on society perspective, it has been a very, very transformative event. Right. Kern says it's possible ChatGPT will be remembered one day as being as important as the invention of the iPhone or even the Internet itself. So transformative, also controversial. Uh, ChatGPT has had all kinds of controversy since it was released. Run us through the highlights. Yeah, there have been so many, like the time ChatGPT confessed its love to a New York Times reporter and told that reporter to leave his wife. That got people talking. ChatGPT also got into hot water for spreading fabrications and its answers, you know, just totally making things up. Many have warned that ChatGPT will one day automate away millions of jobs. And some doom and gloom types say ChatGPT could be a step toward a supercomputer that could one day try to overtake humanity, which is a bit of an exaggeration, at least right now. Uh, More attached to reality, Mary Louise, are the legal battles playing out against ChatGPT. And a lot of them focus on the data ChatGPT sucks up from the open Internet to train the AI. Some of that material is, of course, copyright 
invited, and artists and writers and comedians and others are suing because they feel ripped off. So what are you watching for in ChatGPT's second year? Yeah, it's really about to get very personalized. Soon, anyone will be able to make their own custom chat GPT to complete a particular task, whether it's doing your taxes or automating emails or whatever else you can think of. And those tasks will soon be downloadable in an app uh, for these personalized bots. The big question is, how will the company prevent bad actors from creating personalized bots to do terrible things on the Internet? So we shall see there. Yeah. While I've got you, Bobby, what about this controversy at OpenAI, the company that makes ChatGPT? There's been this whole drama over who's running it. Yes. The CEO was abruptly fired, then rehired. His name is Sam Altman. People close to the company say it was over, you know, the controversy that Sam was maybe releasing products into the world too quickly. That has sparked an internal debate at the company. Should they release slower? Should they keep going at their current pace? Mm -hmm. That debate is far from over, so we should be getting an update there soon. NPR's Bobby Allen. Thank you. Thanks, Mary Louise. You're listening to All Things Considered from NPR News. We're funded by you, our listeners, and by Mass General Brigham Health Plan, integrated with one of the world's leading healthcare systems and offering innovative plans, a broad network of doctors, and options for individuals, families, and retirees. Mass General Brigham Health Plan is focused on you and those important to you every day. MassGeneralBrighamHealthPlan.org. This is 90.9 WBUR in Boston. On Wall Street, stocks have finished up the best month of the year. The Dow hit a new high for 2023. It gained nearly 1.5% to close at almost 36,000. S&P gained nearly four-tenths of a percent, and the Nasdaq lost a little ground, just about a quarter of a percent. After a pretty nice day today, we should have a mildish night tonight, lows falling to just about 40 degrees. Tomorrow, some clouds in the morning, some rain in the afternoon off and on, temperatures in the mid-50s tomorrow. Then for the weekend, some clouds on Saturday and Sunday, both hovering right about 50 degrees. 43 degrees now in Boston at 523. We're funded by you, our listeners, and by Office of the Massachusetts State Treasurer, Check to see if you have unclaimed property at findmassmoney.gov. And Babson, top-ranked in entrepreneurship by U.S. News & World Report, Babson's MBA prepares you to tackle global challenges. Babson.edu slash MBA. When NPR first came on the air, a set of principles guided our work. NPR will serve the individual, promote personal growth, regard differences with respect and joy rather than derision. And hate. NPR will provide listeners with an experience that enriches and gives meaning to the human spirit. NPR will explore, investigate, and try to interpret issues of the day so listeners might better understand themselves, as well as governments, institutions, our world. NPR will be trustworthy, enhance intellectual development, expand knowledge, and increase the pleasure of living in a pluralistic society. NPR will be a service to listeners that makes them more responsive, informed human beings, and responsible citizens of their communities and the world. And that's still our purpose. Work we do with you and for you. And we can only do it with your support. So please donate to this station today. We hope you'll donate right now if you haven't. If you have, thank you. Thank you so much. And if you haven't, please get in on this because we rely on you for the majority of our operating budget. Whether you've been listening to WBR for a few weeks or a few months or even 
a few decades, as many people have, you have never heard a single commercial. You've never had to sit through commercials to get the news and information that you want, and that is because we've got a very different funding model. We rely on your voluntary contributions, for the most part, from uh, listeners to provide the programs and the stories and the conversations. And this is one of the times of the year we ask you to please make your uh, contribution to WBUR in whatever amount you want. You're never going to get a bill from us. That doesn't mean that we don't incur costs. We do. News is the most expensive kind of programming you can have. So because you listen and appreciate the news on WBUR, give whatever you can. It can be $10 a month, $20 a month, one gift, a single gift if you like. Some people can afford a gift of $1,000 or $5,000. And if you can't afford anything right now, that's fine too. Please keep listening. Just do your part if you can at 1-800-909-9287-WBUR.org. I'm Lisa Mullins with WBUR reporter Deborah Becker. You know, it was so great to hear some of the NPR mission statement read by some of the folks from NPR in full enhance, investigate, improve understanding, all of the things that public radio does and tries to do every day for you, that we work with and for you. And the with part really is what we're asking right now. We're asking you to really come work with us, make a contribution to WBUR and help us have the resources that we need to be a really strong source of journalism for you. To If you value the editorial independence that you know you get when you listen to public radio, we'll help keep that independence by making a pledge right now. 1-800-909-9287 or WBUR.org. Give now, and you could win a trip anywhere in the world. And this uh, sweepstakes is going to be closing at the end of the day tomorrow. So if you make your call now, you will be entered into win. And by the way, monthly subscribers are automatically entered into win. So this is a fantastic dream trip. Yours, a $10,000 trip customized by CBT Travel, actually customized by you, but the trip is from CBT Travel. You get to go pretty much anywhere you want, have the uh, air and ground travel paid for, the hotel accommodations, excursions of any kind. So whether it's, you know, in the outback or Tokyo or Greece or Indonesia, as Deb said, that's kind of on her list, or possibly India or New Zealand. That was, I think, Steve Brown's choice, wherever it happens to be. This is a dream trip that you can only win if you call. And uh, the number, once again, 1-800-909-9287-WBUR.org. I'm Kayla from Burlington, New Jersey, and I would say that the spot on top of my vacation bucket list right now is Rio de Janeiro. Hi, this is Casey from Somerville. My number one bucket list destination is Australia. I would love to go there because my parents lived there when they were in their 20s, and I'd love to just walk in their footsteps and see the sights that they saw and see the old apartment that they lived in, just get to experience all the animals and the nature and the culture that is in Australia. So maybe some family history, maybe uh, any kind of history. Maybe that's what you're interested in. Maybe that's the trip that you choose to take if you win the WBUR sweepstakes because one person is going to win this sweepstakes. It's a $10,000 trip anywhere in the world. Is it Australia? Is it Brazil? Is it New Zealand? You get to dream. You get to pick. You design the trip. And you and CBT Travel will help make it happen for you. So call right now. Get in on the sweepstakes because this sweepstakes ends tomorrow. And if you're wondering how much should you give, 
perhaps you want to consider $12 a month because for $12 a month, we will send you as our thanks a digital subscription to New York Times Cooking, which is really a wonderful asset to have for all of your cooking, your meals, your ideas, your substitution lists. It's all there for you. Highly recommend it. $12 a month and it's yours. 1-800-909-9287-WBUR.org. Go for the uh, New York Times uh, cooking, uh, digital cooking list, whatever you can. (laughs) Please do it right now and support WBUR. We are funded by you, our listeners, and by Fidelity Investments, reminding you it's never too early to start saving for your child's future. Learn more about a tax-advantaged 529 college savings account and how you can use the money to pay for qualified expenses at fidelity.com slash ufund. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSE SIPC. Live from NPR News, I'm Dale Wilman. In day seven of the Gaza ceasefire, Hamas freed eight Israeli hostages in exchange for the release of more Palestinian prisoners. Israel is expected to free 30 Palestinians in this latest round. U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken is in Israel, and he says if fighting resumes when the ceasefire ends, he's telling leaders there they must proceed with caution. In my meetings today with the prime minister and senior Israeli officials, I made clear that before Israel resumes major military operations, it must put in place humanitarian civilian protection plans that minimize further casualties of innocent Palestinians. The current ceasefire is scheduled to expire tomorrow. Climate negotiations are underway in Dubai, and the U.S. looms large in the talks. NPR's Jeff Brady reports that it's because the U.S. has done so much to cause climate change, and it's also indispensable in addressing it. U.S. Climate Envoy John Kerry has spread a positive message about U.S. climate action in recent months. I'm happy to report that the United States has stepped up under President Biden's leadership. He points to a huge climate bill passed last year. But United Nations Secretary General Antonio Guterres says poorer countries have a right to be angry. Angry that they are suffering most from a climate crisis they did nothing to create. Those developing nations want more compensation, and they often look to the two largest emitters, the U.S. and China, to agree with each other and set a tone for negotiations. This time, both have agreed to triple renewable energy globally in coming years. Jeff Brady, NPR News. The state of Texas is suing the drug maker Pfizer. Attorney General Ken Paxton today accused the company of misrepresenting the efficacy of its widely used COVID-19 vaccine. He also claims that Pfizer censored people who threatened to, as he put it, tell the truth about the drug. The Texas Republican has been a major critic of Biden administration efforts to fight the pandemic. You're listening to NPR News. This is 90.9 WBUR. I'm Lisa Mullins. Congressman Lori Trahan is offering condolences to the friends and family of former U.S. Secretary of State Henry Kissinger. But in her statement today, Trahan also criticizes Kissinger's authorization of a covert bombing campaign of Cambodia in 1969 and 70 during the Vietnam War. Trahan is the chair of the Congressional Cambodia Caucus. The city of Worcester will be opening an emergency winter shelter for individual homeless adults. Sixty beds will be available in the former Registry of Motor Vehicles building on Main Street in Worcester. It's set to open December 11th and will remain open through April. Holiday festivities get underway at 6 o'clock on Boston Common with the lighting of the city's official Christmas tree. WBOR's Amanda Beeland reports it's one of many holiday events for Boston Mayor Michelle Wu. Mayor Wu says she's helped light nearly two dozen Christmas trees so far this season, and there's plenty more to come. It will be around 40 trees 
at least three menorahs, a trellis, and a pirate ship that we will have lit. Still, the annual tradition of lighting Boston's official tree is one of her favorites. The fact that Boston stepped in and offered help when a community in neighboring city far to the north needed help and that we continue to celebrate that bond, it, it means so much. Another of Wu's favorites is the Enchanted Trolley Tour on Saturday, which makes 16 different stops around the city. For 90.9 WBUR, I'm Amanda Beland. This is WBUR. It's 534. WBUR supporters include Boston Ballet's The Nutcracker. Beloved characters and stunning dancing will enchant audiences of all ages through December 31st. Tickets at bostonballet.org. And Burton's Grill and Bar, with modern American cuisine and signature dishes like crab-crusted haddock and superfood salad. Eight locations in Greater Boston, burtonsgrill.com. Some clouds around for the final night of the month. December should start up mild with temperatures about 40 degrees overnight. Tomorrow, clouds should increase during the day. Could get rained on in the afternoon. Should make it to the mid-50s tomorrow. And Saturday, clouds linger through the day. Nice day to be outside, though, about 53 for a high. Sunday should make it to 51, although there's a greater chance of rain. 42 degrees in Boston. This is WBUR. Support for NPR comes from this station and from the Nature Conservancy, partnering with communities across the globe to find solutions to the climate and biodiversity crises, committed to building a future where people and nature can thrive. Nature.org solutions. And from the NPR Wine Club, where members can explore wines from around the world and every purchase supports NPR's high quality journalism. Available to adults 21 or older, nprwineclub.org. This is NPR. From NPR News, this is All Things Considered. I'm Juana Summers. And I'm Mary Louise Kelly. Time now for our regular science news roundup with our friends at NPR Shortwave Podcast. That would be Aaron Scott and Regina Barber. Welcome, welcome. Hey. Hello, hello. All right, so alert listeners will know that how this works is that you two have brought us three science stories that caught your attention this week. So what are they? Yeah, we've got a story about tiny biological robots that are made from human cells. And we have a story about a penguin that takes tiny little naps, like thousands of them each day. And finally, another animal that was thought to be extinct but is very much alive. All three are intriguing. I'm going to go in the order you just you just laid them out. So let's start with tiny robots made from human cells. Is that what you just said? I don't even think I understand what that means. <laughs> yeah. So it's one human cell that has been reprogrammed to grow into a little multicellular ball. And what's new about these balls is they can move around on their own and actually help heal human tissue. The researchers are calling them anthrobots. Anthrobots. Okay, and how did mm-hmm. how does this work? How do they make them? Yeah, so they started with cells from an adult trachea, you know, the windpipe, because these cells have these little hair-like things called cilia on one side, and that's what kind of waves around and pushes out particles and germs and ultimately allows us to expel the gunk of, you know, when we cough or clear our throats. And they figured out a way to grow single trachea cells into multicellular balls with cilia on the outside. So the cilia acts like ores pushing them along. 
And some of these anthrobots win in a straight line. Others moved in circles. Some wiggled in place. They wiggled? <laughs> it's kind of <laughs> cute. Um, but more importantly, you said they can actually, they can heal cells? Yeah, that was the surprise. So just to explore, they took layers of neurons, which notoriously are cells that don't heal well, and they scratched a gap through it to mimic a wound. And then they put some of the anthrobots in that gap. And some of the bots, simply just by bridging that gap, actually helped the neural tissue heal and the gap closed. The researchers don't quite understand why this happened, um, especially since these cells aren't genetically modified to heal or anything. So this was really kind of an exciting, unexpected finding. Yeah. And how would this be used in medicine? Yeah. So I talked with the lead researcher, Gizem Gamushkaya, who published this study this week in the journal Advanced Science. And she says in the future, these anthrobots could be programmed to do everything from patrol the body, looking for tumors, to treating arteries clogged with plaque. So maybe, you know, as the anthropod is moving through the artery, it encounters this plague and then in return, it turns on its cilia sort of at a much faster rate to bulldoze through that plague and then clear it in that way. Yeah, and one of the key things is that the anthrobots could be made from the patient's own cells. So in theory, there's a lot fewer side effects than drugs or other forms of therapy. Got it. Okay, that's fascinating. Okay, from microscopic robots to the next story about micro-napping. This is a penguin that takes thousands of little naps every day. I love this story so much already. Yeah, actually 10,000 times. That's how many times they're kind of having this micro sleep. So a study published in Science this past week found that chin strap penguins during breeding season utilize micro sleep, which is seconds long, to get over 11 hours sleep a day. This is while living in a super noisy, hectic nesting colony. And this is the first time a species has been shown to have this extremely fragmented sleep over long periods of time, which is necessary for penguins, because one parent goes out feeding in the ocean for days and leaves the other parent to protect the eggs from predatory birds. And so that means that remaining parent needs to be constantly vigilant. And it seems like it does that by hacking naps. Totally. I would love to do this. I would love to take thousands of micro naps all day long. So what about humans? Can we learn anything from the chin strap penguin? Yeah. So there is research in humans that shows that micro naps can help with memory and that midday naps might be great for young, healthy people. But those human naps are all being measured in minutes. While these penguins, we are talking about just a few seconds. Right. And I talked to one of the study researchers, Paul Antoine Liburel, and he wants us to be very cautious about making these human comparisons. This is not related to human physiology. And this won't uh, tell us more about the function of sleep. Sorry, sorry, nodded off for a second there, a little micro nap. Um, <laughs> do not pull a penguin on us, Mary Louise. Back with you fully now. And I do we want to We can't sustain ask... those, you know? <laughs> no, indeed, sadly. How did they figure this out? How do you go about collecting data to figure out the penguins are napping so many times a day? So they built these little sleep logger devices that would measure the penguins' brainwaves. And this was actually only supposed to be a trial run for the devices. But Paul Antoine said that catching the penguins and putting on the devices and then retrieving them went so well that they were able to gather enough data to publish this paper. Yeah, and they did all of this in the penguins' natural habitat, which is a big deal because what little we know about sleep is from controlled settings. But how an animal sleeps in a lab doesn't tell us how it sleeps in the wild, like where sleep evolved. This study really advances sleep research, even if it doesn't help us humans with our sleep for now. 
Let's roll wide awake into the third and final story you have brought us. This is another animal, one that was thought to be extinct for decades by scientists. However, it was recently filmed for the first time by researchers at Oxford University. Tell all. Yeah, and the animal is, drumroll, the Attenborough's long-beaked echidna. The Attenboroughs. Okay, I'm going to guess that's David Attenborough, the famous British naturalist. And then what was the rest Mm -hmm. of the name? Echidna. Yeah, and I would encourage you to Google one. They look like a cross between an anteater and a porcupine. And there's a few different types of echidnas, but this one, Attenborough's long-beaked echidna, was rediscovered by scientists on an expedition this past summer in the Indonesian part of the island of New Guinea. Yeah, our colleague Emma Bowman wrote about this discovery for NPR. It really is something. Like, scientists on this expedition set up 80 different cameras for a month in an area where they've seen clues of the echidna. Here's the biologist who led the expedition, James Kempton. It was the very last images uh, from the final camera that we collected on the final day of the last ascent of the expedition. Those were the images of the echidna. And I ran into the living room of base camp and shouted, we found it, we found it. And that was the first proof of the animal anyone had seen since 1961. Since 1961. You can hear the excitement in his voice. I mean, I'm excited. I've never heard of this animal, but I'm excited. Why is this so exciting for scientists? Yeah, well, to start out, I'm going to tell you why this is so exciting to me. And it's because a baby (laughs) echidna is called a puggle. A puggle. (laughs) Okay. Okay. But a big reason this animal is exciting to scientists is that this long-beaked echidna is part of a small subgroup of mammals that include platypuses that lay eggs. So they represent this evolutionary split that occurred more than 200 million years ago when they diverge from the common ancestors of other mammals. Here's James Kempton again. And that's why it's so important, because... It's another guardian of this unique and fragile evolutionary history, which if if it were to be lost would be an absolute tragedy. Mm, So tragedy averted. Aaron, Regina, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Regina Barber and Aaron Scott from NPR's science podcast, Shortwave, where you can learn about new discoveries and everyday mysteries and the science behind the headlines, including micronaps. You're listening to All Things Considered. We're funded by you, our listeners, and by Kaiba, providing technology solutions to government agencies in the health and human services space. Kaiba, K-Y-Y-B-A dot com, and Cambridge Arts, presenting its holiday art market December 1st to 3rd. See and shop the creativity that is Cambridge. CambridgeArtsCouncil.org. At NPR and this station, editorial integrity is non-negotiable. Your support ensures that our journalism remains independent. Stand with us and donate right now. Donate right now at this number, 1-800-909-9287, or go online at WBUR.org if you prefer that. Coming up in just a few minutes on WBUR, two more Israelis have been freed by Hamas on this seventh day of a truce in Israel's offensive in Gaza. Secretary Antony Blinken is in the Middle East trying to keep this on track to get aid to Gaza. That story and much more is still to come on WBUR, and that's what we want you to pay for. What you're about to hear, not only tonight, but also for the rest of the year, for next year as well, for all the news that we can't even anticipate at this point. Please keep us strong, keep us fortified, 
you get the result of that. You get the benefit from that as well. 1-800-909-9287, WBUR.org. I'm Lisa Mullins with Deborah Becker. Yeah, and we have some uh, great news right now. So, you know, we know that uh, a lot of folks have contributed to this radio station over the years, really have helped us grow. And thank you if you've been able to do that. But, you know, if you're new to this and you haven't contributed before, how about making your first contribution to WBUR right now because if it's your first contribution some members of our Murrow Society will match that two to one so your $100 contribution right now $300 for us Yum. if you want to give $10 a month it becomes $30 a month for WBUR we want to show you it doesn't it does nothing to be afraid of you're actually paying your bill for your public radio station and you're really helping us grow and serve you better so make that pledge now and if it's your first pledge members of our Murrow Society as we said will match your contribution two to one and also you should know that we have a terrific thank you gift if you can give $12 a month for the news right now which again will be matched two to one uh, if it's your first contribution we will send you a little thank you gift and that's a digital subscription to New York Times cooking so call right now 1-800-909-9287 at NPR and this station we're not beholden to anybody but you public media is central to our democracy so please keep it strong and donate today Donate right now, in fact. And as Deb said, if you make your first contribution to WBUR right now, some members of the Morrow Society will match your contribution. In fact, they'll triple it. So if you can give uh, $100, it becomes $300 for us. If you can give, say, $50 a month, if you can swing it, it becomes $150 a month for us without anything else coming from your bank account. So please take advantage of that. We don't often have this kind of an offer. This is specifically for first time contributors to WBUR. Do it on a monthly basis, do it on a one-time basis, whatever works for you. 1-800-909-9287-WBUR.org. And also we have a sweepstakes that ends tomorrow, so you don't have much more time to get in on this, but get your name entered in our drawing and the winner gets a trip anywhere in the world. You decide where you want to go. It's a custom customized trip worth 10 thousand dollars. Lisa and I have been fantasizing all the places we'd like to. I don't know that we've fully decided on one yet. No, no, no we, we have not. No, but no. we will, maybe. <laughs> we keep thinking, hmm, maybe it would be Indonesia, or maybe New Zealand, or maybe the Andes, or, you know, all kinds of possibilities there. Someone's going to win that trip. It might be you, but get your name in now in that sweepstakes. As I said, it ends tomorrow, so you want to make sure you don't forget. Do it now, but do it because you know that you want to help pay for this radio station. You know that journalism is in trouble. Local journalism is in trouble because there aren't advertisers, really. And a lot of folks are really hurting. We're strong because all we say is you, our listeners, you value us. Do what you can. Please pay for us when you can, how much you can. And guess what? That works. So thank you. But if you haven't done your part yet, please do it now. And make how about making your first contribution to WBUR because members of our Moral Society will match that two to one. 
Yeah, this is a huge deal. I mean, when we're tripling your pledge, these things don't come around a lot. And so we're hoping that you'll take advantage of it. Maybe you were introduced to WBUR because you used to listen in the back seat when your parents uh, forced it on you when you were a kid. Um, maybe you just found WBUR.org and decided you love that way of getting your news. You love the podcast from the common to endless thread to circle round. Uh, maybe you attended an event at City Space, and if you haven't, check it out online. There are fantastic events that are going on there. So uh, however you came across WBUR, please know that we are non-commercial. We don't have commercials. <clears throat> we don't have commercial interests telling us what to do. We are beholden to you, our listeners only. We like it that way, and we assume you do too, and that's why you're listening. So once again, make a pledge, 1-800-909-9287-WBUR. You can get that digital subscription to the New York Times cooking for, is it $12 a month? $12 a month. $12 a month, and uh, we would love to give it to you. 1-800-909-9287-WBUR.org. Support for NPR comes from this station. And from Smartmouth, committed to the prevention of bad breath for 24 hours with two rinses a day. Smartmouth mouthwash can be found nationwide at drugstores, grocery stores, and super centers, or at smartmouth.com. And from CrowdStrike, whose cybersecurity platform is designed to protect organizations by monitoring trillions of cyber events to detect threats and prevent breaches before they happen. CrowdStrike, protection that powers you. This is NPR. This is All Things Considered from NPR News. I'm Juana Summers. And I'm Mary Louise Kelly. Eight more Israeli hostages have been freed by Hamas on this, the seventh day of a pause in the fighting in Gaza. Each day has seen hostages released in exchange for Israel, freeing Palestinian detainees and prisoners. Secretary of State Antony Blinken is in the Middle East trying to keep this on track, trying to get as many hostages as possible out and more aid in to Gaza. We want to see this process continue, move forward. We want an, eight, an eighth day and, and beyond so that people can be returned to their families. And that applies to all hostages. And Pierre's Michelle Kellerman is traveling with Blinken. She joins me now from Tel Aviv. Hi, Michelle. Hi, Mary Louise. Update us on how Blinken's doing, trying to keep this pause going as long as he can. Is he succeeding? Well, these are day-by-day, even hour-by-hour negotiations, and Israel has made clear that it will resume the fight as soon as Hamas stops releasing these hostages. So far, it's released um, only women and children and some foreign nationals, um, more than 100 in total, but there are still over 100 being held, and Blinken says he's very very focused on this. He also says he shares Israel's goal to make sure Hamas no longer runs Gaza and can't carry out the kind of attack that it did on October 7th when it took these hostages. He says a Hamas attack on an Israeli bus stop just today underscores that point. At least three Israelis were killed, as well as the two Palestinian gunmen in that attack. And Blinken says two Americans were among those wounded there. So you said Israel has made clear it will resume the fight as soon as Hamas stops letting these hostages go. Is Blinken encouraging Israel to do things differently than we saw in the first several weeks of this war? He is, and that was a big focus of his meetings here. He said that there has to be a plan in place to make sure there's not a repeat of what happened in northern Gaza when there was, in his words, a massive loss of civilian life and displacement. Here he is. We made clear the imperative 
that before any operations go forward in southern Gaza, that there be a clear plan in place that puts a premium on protecting civilians, as well as sustaining and building on the humanitarian assistance that's getting into Gaza. Uh, and the Israeli government agreed with that approach. He didn't really go into details about the Israeli planning, but he said the U.S. wants to make sure Israel designates areas in southern and central Gaza where Palestinian civilians can be safe. He says Israel also needs to avoid damaging hospitals, power stations, and water facilities, you know, that critical infrastructure in Gaza. And he said he thinks the Israelis can do that and still meet their military objectives. Um, Apart from Gaza, there has also been violence recently in the occupied West Bank. I know Blinken went to the West Bank today. What was his message? Yeah, he met with the Palestinian Authority president in Ramallah, and he talked about aid to Gaza and what could come next in Gaza. But he also did talk about the violence in the West Bank. Blinken has been calling on Israel to take steps to prevent Israeli settlers from attacking Palestinians and forcing Palestinians off their land. He said the U.S. could deny visas to Israeli extremists. That's something the U.S. has been considering for a while now, but hasn't taken that step. NPR's Michelle Kellerman in Tel Aviv tonight. She's traveling with Secretary of State. Thanks, Michelle. Thank you. We're funded by you, our listeners, and by Johnson & Wales. Think you know Jay Wu? From engineering to graphic design, let Johnson & Wales surprise you. More at jwu.edu. The conflict between Israel and Hamas deep division in Congress and a looming election, devastation driven by climate change. These are serious times. I'm Meghna Chakrabarty. WBUR and NPR bring you the latest developments on all of these fronts and the context to help make sense of what can, at times, feel like a senseless world. Keep our journalism strong with your year-end contribution. Give at WBUR.org. And thanks. Thank you so much if you've given already. If you haven't, please do it right now because we are in the midst of this end of year fund drive. All the fund drives are important. This one is especially important because we need to make sure that we are going to be able to cover in the coming year all the news stories that not only we know about, but we don't know about uh, that that uh, will just happen. I'm Lisa Mullins here with Deborah Becker. And uh, let me just give the phone number first, 1-800-909-9287. Or you can pledge online at WBUR.org. Deborah Becker, um, the last fundraiser we had ended October 5th. And we mm-hmm. had been talking about events we didn't know would happen. And then on October 7th, Hamas right. attacks Israel. And this is the kind of thing that um, there costs a lot of money for the, I think, 20 or 30 reporters from NPR who have gone over there. When they incur costs, we incur costs. We have uh, information about everything that they have to bring, their bulletproof vests, their helmets, um, the, the for not only for the reporters, the drivers as well. This is... You come to WBUR because we are able to bring you such good, solid coverage of events, international, national, and local. We are asking you now to pay for it because commercials aren't doing it. We don't have commercials, so we're relying on you. 1-800-909-9287-WBUR.org. Yeah, Meghna was listing uh, those issues that we'll be working on. It kind of made me think, oh boy, we have a lot of work to do. Uh, (laughs) We have a lot of things that we'll be working on, and we look forward to working on them for you. And you know you're going to get information about the big issues and about all the breaking news, news we may not know about right now. But that's why you come to us 
us. That's why you count on us. And we're counting on you right now. And you know, there are two really, really great reasons to give right now. If you make your first contribution to WBUR right now, the members of our Murrow Society will match your contribution two to one. So it's a triple match, but only until seven o'clock. So this is only for the next hour. So if you've never made a pledge to WBUR, make it go three times as far right now. Do your part and make your pledge. It could be $5 a month. It could be $12 a month and you'll get a New York Times Cooking Digital subscription as our thanks. It could be $100 in just one sum. Whatever you can do, do it now. We have this match on the table for the next hour, but we also have a sweepstakes that ends tomorrow and a lucky listener is going to win a trip Anywhere in the world. Where? Anywhere. 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 You design it. $10,000 worth of travel for you, for the lucky listener who gets this. That's our sweepstakes now. You get to decide where you're going to go, how you're going to design this trip. Call now. It's 1-800-909-9287 or WBUR.org. This is Laura Dern. If there is a world on the other side of a wall somewhere where artists run free and journalists share a point of view to educate us into alternative opinion and voice, and it's used beautifully, and there's opera and Sesame Street and National Public Radio, I want to be on that side of the wall. So thank you, National Public Radio. I pray that you're supported forever. We need you. It's how I get my news. It's how I get to know about human behavior how I, thanks to people like Terry Gross, learn about film and invention, and I care deeply about it, and I never, ever want anyone to feel anxiety about losing voice in our uh, beautiful democracy. We don't want anyone to feel anxiety about listening to WBUR. And when we ask you for pledges during the fund drive, if you can't give, if you can't give, that's okay. We understand it. Um, Keep listening. Keep enjoying whatever you can. And we hope for those of you who can indeed give, you'll be as generous as possible. uh, Because a more edified community is a better community. And with so much local news going down the drain, which is horrible, we hope that you will keep lifting WBUR up and making it as strong as it possibly can be. Each individual pledge does that. 1-800-909-9287-WBUR.org. Make your first ever contribution right now, and you will get your contribution tripled. Thank you once again. Support for NPR comes from this station and from Total Wine and More, where customers can find gifts for people on their list, from champagne to single-barrel bourbon, totalwine.com. Spirits not sold in Virginia and North Carolina, available to adults 21 or older. From the Lodestar Foundation, inspired by the principle that helping someone else less fortunate is a path to a happier, healthier, and more meaningful life. Learn more at lodestarfoundation.org. From the Center for Audit Quality, committed to enhancing public trust in the economy through assurance, auditors are serving investors, small businesses, and working Americans. Learn more at thecaq.org. And from the sustaining members of this NPR station. I'm WBUR arts and culture reporter, Cristela Guerra, and this is 90.9 WBUR-FM Boston. 
92.7 WBUA-Tisbury, and 89.1 WBUH-Brewster. Listen anytime with our app or at WBUR.org. WBUR, Boston's NPR news station. Live from NPR News in Washington, I'm Jack Spear. Hamas has released six more hostages being held inside Gaza. In total today, eight people captured in the October 7th attack were freed. More than 100 hostages captured during Hamas's attack on Israel remain in captivity. Israel is expected to release Palestinian prisoners as part of the exchange. NPR's Brian Mann has more from Tel Aviv. In a statement, Israel's military said an elite army unit was escorting six people released by Hamas. They were being taken to an Israeli airbase for a medical assessment before being transferred to a hospital to meet with families. Two other hostages with French-Israeli citizenship were released earlier on this seventh day of the temporary ceasefire. Thousands of Palestinians are being held in Israeli jails, many without being charged with crimes. The pause in fighting is set to expire Friday, but negotiations are underway to extend the truce so that more Israeli hostages and Palestinian detainees can be released. Brian Mann, NPR News, Tel Aviv. A gag order placed on former President Donald Trump is back in place after being temporarily lifted earlier this month. As NPR's Amanda Bastille reports, an appeals court judge paused the order while deciding on an appeal on the order from the Trump legal team. The gag order prohibits either party in the civil fraud trial from commenting about New York Judge Arthur and Goron's staff. According to court filings, Goron's legal clerk has received dozens of calls to her cell phone, as well as social media messages and emails. Goron has said his chambers have received hundreds of threatening calls, letters, and packages. Trump has already been fined twice, totaling $15,000 for violating the order. Goron has argued the order is to protect his staff. Jimena Bustillo, NPR News, New York. One question a lot of people have been asking is what happens if former President Donald Trump is convicted of a felony? And it appears as far as the rules from the Republican National Committee are concerned, that issue remains unaddressed. The RNC rules do not include any specific provisions dealing with the unexpected scenario unfolding. Donald Trump is under four criminal indictments. A rally on the last trading day of the month, as NPR's David Gurr reports, Wall Street is feeling increasingly confident the Federal Reserve's fight against high inflation is nearing its end. A handful of technology companies continue to drive gains in the stock market. The Nasdaq ended November up 10.7 percent, and on Thursday, the Dow hit a new high for 2023. Wall Street cheered the latest inflation data from the Commerce Department. The Federal Reserve's favorite, the Personal Consumption Expenditures Price Index, showed the rate of price increases slowed from September to October. Meanwhile, the group known as OPEC Plus announced new voluntary cuts to oil production at a time when there's concern about conflict in the Middle East and slowing growth worldwide. David Gura, NPR News, New York. A mixed close today. The Dow rose 520 points. The Nasdaq was down 32. This is NPR. This is 90.9 WBUR. Good evening. I'm Lisa Mullins. Democrats on Beacon Hill say they've reached agreement on a long-delayed $2.8 billion supplemental budget. It includes $250 million for the state's overburdened family shelter system. The state would be required to set up a shelter site for qualified families who are on a wait list. The Environmental Protection Agency is proposing a rule that would require cities and towns to replace all lead water pipes within 10 years. The EPA estimates it could affect thousands of homes in Massachusetts. 
The state has some of the nation's oldest housing stock and water pipes. A new report finds more women leading life science companies in Massachusetts. The report by the life sciences trade group MassBio shows women make up 46 percent of the leadership roles in biopharma companies in the state. That's up 9 percent from 2021. The report also finds only 14 percent of the state's biopharma workforce is made up of people of color. 42 degrees in the Boston area. Milder temperatures moving in about 40 degrees overnight tonight. Tomorrow should have overcast skies in the morning. A few showers around in the afternoon. It should be in the mid-50s tomorrow. This is WBUR. It's 6.05. WBUR supporters include Melville Charitable Trust, committed to ensuring all people have a safe, stable, and affordable home that allows them to thrive. Information about ways to prevent and solve homelessness is at melvilletrust.org. As you support the organizations that have deep meaning in your life, please give to WBUR. I'm Rupa Shanoi. A gift of $10 or $15 a month will become something much bigger. It'll create more of the stories we all need to make sense of the world. And it'll inform the conversations that make your world bigger. Turn your small gift into something much bigger. Give at WBUR.org or call 1-800-909-9287. And you know when you listen to WBUR, everything that you hear, and then you realize we have WBUR.org with fantastic original material there as well. Our podcasts, uh, uh, Cognoscenti, uh, The Common that you hear on a daily basis, Endless Thread, Circle Round, our events at City Space, our terrific newsletters. That is how far we have grown. That's what we are doing, including the broadcast that you hear 24-7 on WBUR. Our new app, perhaps many of you have tried that out. If you haven't, we urge you to do that. This is what we're asking you to pay for, keeping us strong, keeping us growing, because we all reap the benefits of that. So make your pledge now, 1-800-909-9287-WBUR.org. I'm Lisa Mullins with Deborah Becker. And as Deb will tell you, we are now looking for um, any contributions, uh, but a lot of contributions, if we can, from first-time contributors. Yeah, calling all people who've never made a contribution before. We're not going to guilt you. This is this is the deal. If you have never made a contribution before and you make your first contribution in the next hour, so this is only until 7 o'clock, our Murrow Society will match your contribution two to one, triple. So if you can pledge $10 right now, it'll be worth $30. What a great introduction to contributing, to paying for your public radio listening, for helping WBUR have all the resources that Lisa just mentioned to be a multi-platform media organization so you can listen on your phone, so you can stream on your computer, and you can read a story digitally, and you can go back and hear something. It's not like the days when something aired and you could never hear it again. You can go back and hear it again. Again, it's there in perpetuity. It's all because of donations from listeners. So if you haven't had a chance to do your part and make your pledge and support your public radio listening, well, do it right now because it's worth triple. Your pledge is worth triple until 7 o'clock tonight. Here's the number. It's 1-800-909-9287. And the website where you can pledge is WBUR.org. We want to say uh, there's a deadline for something else. This deadline is tomorrow, though. 
And this is the sweepstakes that we have during this December fundraiser. And this is a trip to anywhere in the world. Someone is going to win this. You design the trip. It's $10,000 in travel for you to make the trip of your dreams. Someone's going to win that, but you need to pledge by tomorrow to get entered in the sweepstakes. The number again, 1-800-909-9287. The news cycle didn't let up in 2023. Earthquake with a magnitude of 7.8. Hit with the sweeping and historic indictment of a former president. The United Auto Workers are on a historic strike. This COVID morning. public health emergency is ending. NPR and this station will follow the news wherever it takes us next year, too. Join us and please donate to this station today. If you make your first contribution to WBUR right now, some members of our Morrow Society will triple your contribution. So if you give us $100, we get $300. You're still only giving us $100, but we give uh, we get $300 out of it. If you give $10 a month as your first contribution, it becomes $30 a month for us. We appreciate whatever you can afford. We don't want you to go beyond your budget. That wouldn't help either you or us. We want you to pledge as generously as you can, but only in keeping with how much you appreciate WBUR and what you get from WBUR. We are never going to send you a bill. Um, you are a, a subscriber in a way that's really voluntary, and so it's pretty transparent. You decide that you want to give to WBUR. You know where your money goes. It's in what you hear. It's in what you read. It's in the events that you attend at City Space. 1-800-909-9287. WBUR.org. Thanks so much. And we're here 24 24- Seven, right? 24-7 for you. 1-800-909-9287. Whether you're listening right now to All Things Considered or On Point coming up at 7 o'clock tonight. If you listen overnight to the BBC Morning Edition tomorrow, yeah, here and now, Radio Boston, it's all here for you. What we're asking you to do is do what you can. Make a pledge of support during this fundraiser so we can keep the news coming, so we can stay strong. 1-800-909-9287. You know, you've got 50 minutes left just until seven o'clock tonight before this offer to triple your pledge to WBUR expires seven o'clock it ends so if it's your first time contributing to WBUR members of our Murrow Society will match that pledge two to one ten dollars becomes thirty but only until seven tonight 1-800-909-9287-WBUR.org we are so grateful for your support thanks so much WBUR supporters include Ocean State Job Lot, committed to fighting hunger and food insecurity in the Northeast by donating to regional food banks and local pantries during the holiday season. More information at OceanStateJobLot.com. This is All Things Considered from NPR News. I'm Mary Louise Kelly. And I'm Juana Summers. New York Republican Congressman George Santos is still insisting that he will not resign, even though another vote on whether to expel him from the U.S. House of Representatives is expected tomorrow. Earlier this month, the House Ethics Committee found that Santos, quote, blatantly stole from his campaign. Speaking on the House floor earlier today, Santos pushed back on those claims. I will not stand by quietly. They want me out of this body. The people of the 3rd District of New York sent me here. If they want me out, they're going to have to go silence those people and take the hard vote. Well, NPR's Jasmine Garst is in Long Island. She is in George Santos District, and she joins us now. Hi there. Hello. All right, Jasmine, what is it like there? What have you been hearing as you've been talking to folks? 
Well, I spoke to people from across the political spectrum, and you would be hard-pressed to find anyone here who isn't disgusted with Santos's alleged behavior. Earlier this morning, I spoke to Martins Alves. She was waiting for the train with her two kids, and she said if he does not get voted out, she will feel really mad, really aggravated, the whole thing. That just shows us that politics are more important than our uh, values. So while Santos seems to think a vote to expel him would be silencing people in his district, there are certainly people here who do not feel that way at all. Right. And we should just note there is, of course, the chance that Santos hangs on to that seat. Are there concerns that that would have larger scale political repercussions? Well, the sense I got was people being fed up with a system that enabled Santos to rise, uh, that he's symptomatic of a larger problem. A lot of people wouldn't talk to me on record, but said something along the lines of, well, you know, this is how low American politics has stooped. One woman who did speak to me was Rena Medea. She was going on a stroll with her mom, and she told me she feels what happens to Santos in the coming days could send a, a message to other politicians about what kind of behavior they can and cannot get away with. I understand the Republicans' point of view that they don't want to get rid of him because he is one of the few that they have in power in New York State, a very Democratic state. But we have to do something about this guy because he's being represented as an example and you don't want that. She says she feels this type of impunity is comparable to any corrupt governments abroad. And she points out something that's a big concern for Republicans here in Washington, which is that if Santos is expelled, that will cut into their already slim House majority. What did Republicans there in New York have to say about that? Well, that's definitely a concern. New York votes Democratic, and there's no guarantee that another Republican will win the congressional seat Santos holds, especially after a scandal like this. Santos, for his part, has said he's not going to run for re-election. But Republican constituents I spoke to are also outraged with Santos's behavior. They feel it's just not something the party should stand by. This morning, I spoke to Lou Hochstein outside a coffee shop. He told me he voted for President Donald Trump, but he just has no more patience left for Santos. I mean, he did things that would, he, he used our money to get Botox and he used our money to, to go on and buy fancy. Uh, you see, when he dresses, everything is so spiffy and, you know, very nice. So I, I think he had enough chances. I, I just, he would, I would just toss him out with the garbage and get somebody fresh and new. Santos says he didn't do anything wrong. People in this district are not buying it. NPR's Jasmine Garst, thank you. Thank you. The U.S. is aging fast. In fact, the oldest baby boomers start turning 80 in a few years, and it is happening amid a historic shortage of affordable housing and high prices. NPR's Jennifer Ludden reports on new warning that many seniors will struggle to get the housing and the care they need. A few decades ago, Leslie McIntyre thought she was doing everything right for a comfortable life. She was a tax accountant in Washington, D.C., and co-owned a not-for-profit bookstore. I had good savings. I was quite happy, quite frankly. And I was preparing to go back to school. Then a car accident dislocated her hip, left her traumatized, and derailed her career. She held on in her rent-controlled apartment for quite a while, but eventually McIntyre went on disability and burned through savings, waiting three years to get into the senior housing where she is now. 
And by the time I got in here, I was seriously considering going into a shelter. I paid my rent, my utilities. I had SNAP benefits for food. And I had $25 left over. And you just can't live on that in the long run. McIntyre is now 69 and grateful to pay only 30% of her income for rent. Unlike Medicaid and SNAP benefits for food, federal housing subsidies are not an entitlement program. Only about a third of seniors who qualify actually get them. That's left more than 11 million older adults burdened by housing costs, an all-time high, according to a report out today from Harvard's Joint Center for Housing Studies. Lead author Jennifer Malinsky says that number will keep going up as boomers enter their 80s. Their purchasing power is going down at a time when rents are rising and other costs are rising, food and you know, health care and all of that. More people will have medical problems, which can be costly, but their income is likely fixed or going down. The report finds only 14 percent of older adults living alone could afford a daily visit from a home health aide. Only 13 percent could move to assisted living without dipping into their assets. Two other trends spell trouble ahead. Since the 2008 housing crash, the home ownership rate for people in midlife is down significantly, and that could leave many of them cash-strapped later on because they have to rent. At the same time, there's been a jump in the share of older people who still owe money on their mortgage, even into their 80s. People who have mortgages are so much more likely to face affordability challenges. Malinsky says there just aren't nearly enough places that are safe, convenient, and affordable for people to live as they age. You not only need affordable housing, you may also need accessible housing, and you may need to have it located near transportation because you no longer drive, or near your existing social and service network, which is really important. The Harvard report also notes that people 50 and older now make up a growing share of the homeless population. That includes Harry Robertson, a Washington, D.C. native who spent years bouncing between shelters, rehab, friends and family, never wanting to impose for too long. I could never stay nowhere more than one day. If they allowed me two days, that was a blessing. So spent a lot of time outside. Robertson is 56 and proud that he finally became sober while caring for his mother before she died. This year, he also got a federal housing voucher, but that process took five long years. My mental state then was not good at all. You know, I was crumbling. It shouldn't take that long to get someone housing. Margot Cushell of UC San Francisco says more people over 50 are also losing housing for the first time. Often, it's those who've had low-wage, physically demanding jobs without a pension or strong health care. Increasingly, the story of homelessness among adults is going to be older adults living in poverty who are spending what should be their retirement years in the streets. So what to do about all of this? Harvard researcher Malinsky wants zoning changes to build more senior-friendly apartments and more help for older people to retrofit their own homes to age in place safely. Leslie McIntyre, the woman who worried she'd end up in a shelter, has her own advice. The main thing people need to know is that they need to be prepared beforehand for what's coming down the road. Because you never know, she says, when bad things might happen. Jennifer Ludden, NPR News, Washington. Shane McGowan, the frontman for the punk band The Pogues, has died. His wife, Victoria Mary Clark, announced the news this morning. He was 65 years old. McGowan sang songs that mixed together hope and despair. NPR's Andrew Limbong has more. 
You know how some of the best Christmas songs are also some of the saddest songs you've ever heard? The Pogue's fairy tale of New York fits firmly within that tradition. It was Christmas Eve, babe, in the drunk tank. It's about this couple on Christmas, barely scraping by under the weight of their addictions. Life's rough, but they're in love. It's an acerbic sort of love. You're a bum, you're a punk. You're an old slut and junk line. I almost died on a trip in my butt. But it's love nonetheless. Christmas Day. Shane McGowan was born on Christmas Day in 1957. In the 2001 book he co-wrote with his then-partner, Victoria Mary Clark, he describes a childhood where he was allowed to stay up with the grown-ups to drink and gamble. And then punk blew up, and he started his own band, the Nipple Erectors, which was short-lived, but McGowan and other members of the band eventually formed the Pogues. Their second album, 1985's Rum, Sodomy, and The Lash, really drove the band's popularity with songs like Hair, Brown Eyes and their cover of Dirty Old Town. I kiss my girl by the factory wall. Dirty old town. Dirty old town. But as the band got more popular, McGowan's substance abuse got worse. By the 90s, he was kicked out of the band. He started a new band, but eventually found his way back to the Pogues in 2001. He was still, in the public's eye, known for his drinking. In 2004, McGowan did a talk show appearance with presenter Frank Skinner. And it's a normal, jokey talk show interview, until Skinner asks, So have you got any ambitions left, Shay? He pauses, um, waffles about for a bit, until he starts talking about the 20-year relationship he had with a young lady. I'd like to patch that up, because it's uh, gonna scare you for the... It's kind of scary before, but not for this long, you know. This is Victoria you went yeah, on for yeah, ages. Yeah, yeah. And is there any chance of you sorting it out? I don't know. McGowan and Victoria Mary Clark eventually married in 2018. In the Instagram post announcing his death, she wrote, Rayvon in the garden, all wet with rain that you loved so much. You meant the world to me. Andrew Limbong, NPR News. You're listening to All Things Considered from NPR News. Coming up on WBUR, Environmental Social Governance Investing, ESG for short, is an investment category that's blown up in the last few years. But what is ESG anyway? That story coming up in business news that starts at 630. Stocks have finished up the best month of the year. The Dow hit a new high for 2023. It gained nearly 1.5% to close at almost 36,000. S&P gained nearly four-tenths of a percent. The Nasdaq lost a little bit of ground, about a quarter of a percent. In the forecast should be a relatively mild night tonight. Temperatures at 40 degrees for a low. Then for tomorrow, could have some overcast skies in the morning and light rain through the afternoon off and on. Temperatures rising to the mid-50s tomorrow. The weekend should bring some clouds both on Saturday and Sunday. Temperatures right around 50 degrees. 42 now in Boston at 623. WBUR supporters include Revision Energy. Sunbug Solar is now part of Revision Energy, a solar installer committed to fighting climate change in New England. SunbugSolar.com and Woods Hole Oceanographic Institution. Exploring, understanding, and protecting our ocean starts with you. Join a team dedicated to advancing science and technology for the global good. 
Discover career opportunities in your field at whoi.edu team. Have you ever wondered how you would feel if tomorrow you woke up and public radio was just gone? Oh, man. That would be tough. I think it would be devastating. Well, I would grieve because there would be no replacement for it. We asked listeners around the country that very question. I've been listening to NPR for a long time. So NPR has been a giant part of my life. And I would be devastated if it wasn't there anymore. It would be a very depressing ride to work. I don't know if there's enough cups of coffee in the world that would be able to get me over that. There, there really is nothing else like it. We donate, but there's a lot of people out there that listen that probably don't donate. And I think uh, that's a really great thing to put into perspective is how would you feel? There's an easy way to feel good about public radio and the financial health of your station. Just support it. Really, do it right now. Call or go online. Your tax-deductible contribution will help ensure public radio isn't going anywhere. It'll be here when you turn on your radio tomorrow. And thanks. Thank you so much. And um, uh, as as uh, Rachel said, just basically do it. Just make the call right now, especially for those people who think that you are going to be giving during this fund drive. And you might just wait. Um, don't, please. Uh, don't wait until the last minute because that drives us crazy because we're not sure if we're going to be able to end the fund drive successfully. So do us a favor and take a little load off our backs by calling right now and giving as much as you possibly can. Just be as generous as you can, but reasonable, of course, with your own budget. 1-800-909-9287-WBUR.org. I'm Lisa Mullins with Deborah Becker. Hello. Hello, everyone. Good evening. Uh, We have a very important deadline to tell you about. So there are really, if you've been listening and you've been meaning to pledge and you say, I know it's the fundraiser, I know I should, but I'm busy right now, just stop and take the two minutes and do it now because here's the deal. If this is your first contribution to WBUR, if you pledge before 7 o'clock, so 34 minutes is all you've got left to be able to take advantage of this, if you can pledge for the first time by 7 p.m., your match will be tripled by generous members of our Murrow Society. They know that once you start getting in the habit of paying for your public radio listening, you'll probably continue to do so. So they're encouraging it and they're making it really worth our while too. We will get a lot of money if you will do your part and make a pledge, whatever you can. $10, $10,000. Just do it today. Do it by, make a first pledge by 7 o'clock tonight and it's tripled. But we also need to say that we have a deadline of tomorrow for our sweepstakes. And this is just, I've been daydreaming all day about this, Lisa. <laughs> it is a trip anywhere in the world. You design where you'd like to go. A $10,000 customized trip anywhere from CBT Travel will be yours. It will be one lucky listeners. We will draw this, but you need to get your name in by tomorrow. 1-800-909-9287 or WBUR.org. What are the biggest threats to democracy? Well, misinformation, voter suppression, and how about the steep decline of local journalism? I'm Elsa Chang. WBUR and NPR believe that public media is the enduring future of local reporting. But we won't win the fight on our own. We need more member dollars to be your eyes and ears when important decisions are made, to bring more diverse voices into the conversation, and to be the ones to hold power to account. Become a member today at WBUR.org. 
Here's uh, one of the best things that we've we've offered all day. In fact, if you make your first contribution to WBUR right now, some members of our Morris Society will match your contribution two to one. That means we're going to triple your contribution. If you are able to give $10 a month, it becomes $30 a month for us. If you can give a contribution of $100, it has the impact of $300 on us, so for us. So please uh, take advantage of this right now. We're uh, really trying to get as many members as we possibly can and as many members giving as we possibly can. That's kind of closing the circle. If you listen, if you read what we have to offer, maybe you've gone to an event at City Space, you enjoy our podcast, then please finish off what the relationship by uh, basically making a commitment to WBUR with your pledge of support, whatever it is, 1-800-909-9287-WBUR.org. We're not sending you a bill for anything. We're asking for your voluntary contribution in whatever amount you think WBUR is worth to you. And just a half hour left uh, for you to be able to take advantage of this triple match if it's your first contribution to WBUR. Very generous members of our Moreau Society say, uh, have decided to band together and triple first contributions to WBUR up until 7 o'clock tonight, helping you really make sure that your gift to WBUR counts. And our sweepstakes for you to win a trip anywhere in the world, you design the trip, that ends tomorrow. So call now. Make the pledge. 1-800-909-9287 or WBUR.org. Thank you. WBUR supporters include the Home for Little Wanderers, creating better, brighter futures for kids because no child should go through life alone. Thehome.org. And We Need a Vacation, with over 4,000 vacation rentals on the Cape and Islands, from large to small, luxurious to modest, for over 25 years. More at WeNeedAVacation.com. 